Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 378. Out with the ginger, in with the the Matt. Welcome Matt. <laughs> hey, get in the hot tag. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a shame we couldn't have all three of us, but uh, mm -hmm. hey, he's off. He's at a concert today. Like He's actually off work, but he had a concert planned for months. So he's... Let's go. What, uh, which concerts are you going to? You, don't, you didn't listen. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. There's a big concert here in Vegas today, and I'm just too old to want to go deal with that all day. So I didn't get tickets, and now, now I kind of have FOMO, just a little bit. I, I would have liked to see Blink-182 mm. today. I, I did uh, see I a, a Photoshop, though, of the of the, of the, the, the dome with uh, uh -huh. the, the Laura Palmer uh, orb from Twin Peaks, and that popped me huge, uh, frankly. Very good. Uh, that, that, Are you sure it was photoshopped? Because they've been doing some weird I, stuff well, lately. I'm assuming it was. It was so specifically like nerdy yeah. and niche that I assumed yeah. it was photoshopped. But I mean, maybe maybe they did yeah. just put it on there for a minute. Like, I don't for know. the longest time, I thought the pumpkin was a, a photoshop, and they really throw mm. the pumpkin up there every so often. Uh, so yeah, it's crazy. I, I'm staying away from down there though. It's just right now, it's a. Uh, People going just to stare at the outside of something feels like a horror movie. <laughs> you know, like they're being drawn there and like, no, not, not for me. It was a ballsy marketing move, though, to make the outside of it a screen as well as because the, the inside mm -hmm. makes sense. That's part of the show. Mm -hmm. You're in there, you're watching something, mm -hmm. and there's a, the, the ceiling and the walls are all turning yeah. into like space or whatever weird shit's happening. Mm -hmm. But turning the outside into a giant ball of a screen was was a ballsy yeah. move it was well, and uh... you can see it so the part of town i live in i live in the southeast part of town when you get off the freeway you're up a little bit higher on a clear day you can see the the sphere mm. um and, and it, yeah and you can't really tell what's on there at night sometimes you can but in the day and i'm just wondering how how often they're gonna have to replace those with the sun out here mm. you know I imagine so, it's a protected. I'm sure they factored in the weather conditions when they were building it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, you know, the sun out here does damage to things. Like, it's yeah. that's one part of stuff when they build things that they have to take into account. Because uh, we get like 300 and I think it's like 330 days of sun yeah. out here I'm, on, I'm, on average. I'm going to sound like such an old man here, but part yeah. of me thinks is it a little bit unethical with how much mm -hmm. electricity this thing probably needs to run uh, to even have it? Like, that feels yep. like we're just wasting energy, maybe a little oh, bit. Oh, sure. <laughs> I'm sure, and I'm sure people tell you, oh, but they're LEDs. Yeah, but there's like 500 million LEDs. Yeah, but it's like 16K yeah. Uh, yeah. resolution and like, yep. you know, X number of, you know, pixels and, well, I don't know, it's, it's a lot of uh, screen. Yeah, the, um, one of my friends from work went and she told me that it was cool inside, but what really tripped her out, there's these robots that look like the iRobot, and they, they greet you when you come in. And she said that she was almost instantly out. She's like, uh-uh, I'm not. So you add that in, too. There's animatronics there. <laughs> how much how much energy is this thing taking? How much is it siphoning? You know, oh, I thought power bill's got to be ridiculous, because I know what our power bill is here. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, I, the cost and, of and the fact, too, like, I can't think of another artist there that's going to make it worth it. You know, but my brain doesn't think like that. I like, I like very, you know, uh, sl not slim pickings, but uh, very bare punk rock shows. You know, I don't, I don't need giant screens and mm. stuff. Or, or to see you two. It was bad enough they tried to put a album on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want to go see, see them play this massive thing where you can't get away from it. Yeah, you'll be trapped inside with yeah. them. That's that's the idea. Anyway, welcome everyone. This is a DC Comics podcast. We get together 
Uh, we talk about this week's DC Comics. Coming up on this week's show, we have Superman issue 7, Nightwing 107, Catwoman 58, Green Lantern War Journal issue 2, Batman Superman World's Finest 19, Titans issue 4, Jay Garrick The Flash issue 1, Justice League vs. Godzilla vs. Kong issue 1 rounds it out. And if you're wondering where is City Boy, uh, Matt was struggling for time and I just kind of forgot about it, but mm-hmm. do not fear. Uh, we're just going to add it on to the yeah. list in a couple of weeks' time because week ones are quite quiet right now. So we'll do it in two weeks. We're not going to leave it behind. It'll get no. done just a couple of weeks late. I-, I like it a lot and I, I made the mistake of saving it for last instead of prioritizing it. So, But it, it worked out because Pete forgot. So. Yeah, so we'll do that in a couple of weeks. Not next week because next week actually has uh, slightly more books than this week. So uh, we'll be we, oh, we, we've got plenty to do next week. So week after, oh, fine. we'll slot it in. Uh, so that is what's coming up on the show. But it's also a solicits week, uh, so we have that to 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 pick apart and talk about. Yep. The I'm, I'm counting the books for next week already. Um. Uh. I, I I originally counted ten for me, but I don't think Brave and the Bold has the Tom King story. I think that's not until issue nine, okay. uh, the final part of that. So I think it's just nine okay. books for me. Okay, that's not too bad. Yeah, um, but still, it's it's a lot. It's a it's a, it's a hefty week. Yeah, there's a few number yeah. ones plus you know everything else that's out already. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that list at the end of the show, as we always do. We'll start with Matt's favorite segment. He just had to come back from his anniversary and whatever the hell he was doing last week for the Comixology Top 10. I tried not to correct you, but it was my birthday two weeks ago. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry. I thought it was yeah, the anniversary. Not the anniversary, sorry. yeah. And then uh, last week, I was just busy. So, you know, um, had, had appointments to take care of. Yeah, oh, well. I'm not even sorry. <laughs> Let's look at the <laughs> yeah. Comixology rankings for Tuesday to start off with since that's DC Day. Uh, what do you think number one is as of right now in Comixology, Matt? I'm going to guess Superman number seven because it was an oversized uh, issue. Uh, uh, that is incorrect, I'm afraid. What? Come on. All right, they give me Nightwing. Also incorrect. Don't tell me Catwoman. <laughs> no, it's not Catwoman. Okay. What the heck could it be then? I'm looking at the rest. Is it Green Lantern? Nope. <laughs> okay. It's not Godzilla and Kong. He's floundering. He's floundering bad. It's not Godzilla and Kong, is it? Nope. World's Finest? World's Finest is number one. Wow. Hey, good for Mark Wade. Yeah, Mark Wade's name's selling. Number two is Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. Okay. Okay. So that, I was laughing when you said it can't be that, can it? I'm like, well, it's number two, yeah. so it's not far off. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, like, I just a, a weird tie-in book like that. I wouldn't think. Yeah, you know, I would feel like they would move those more physically because my shop had a bunch of them. Godzilla's a right? draw, Matt. Just face it, Godzilla is a draw. And so is Kong. So is Kong. It's uh, like saying that, no, still, you know, that's like saying Orton wasn't a draw. Orton was a draw too. Just yeah. happened to be with Cena. Like you need a heel for the the hero to fight, okay? That's what Kong's there for. So, uh, <laughs> number three is Superman. <laughs> number four is Titans. Number five is Nightwing. So the two Taylor books, uh, yeah. d- doing still well back to back there. Uh, and then we got number six is Jay Garrick the Flash. Number seven is Catwoman. Number eight is Green Lantern War Journal. Number nine is Batman White Knight Presents Generation Joker. And number ten is Hot Girl. Uh, meaning the only, the books that missed out in the top 10 would have been City... Oh, sorry. City Boy, yeah, is 15. Cyborg's 13. Sandman Universe, Night Country's 14. So, yeah, there's a bunch of things. Uh, number 11 is actually Fables 160. 
Uh, so, wow. uh, which is still vaguely DC, actually. So, mm -hmm. very good. Uh, so very nice. Uh, you know, Marvel have started putting out um, classic issues because you know, they're, they're constantly just going back and adding some of their digital yeah. issues to things. They've started putting out classic issues on Tuesday. So last week, when there wasn't that many books out, like some of those classic Marvel books were actually kind of getting up there yeah. in the top ten. Uh, now, what are they counting as classics? Are we talking like oh, it's, it's old like, books. It's like uh, like wet... Incredible Hulk one eighty one. Well, that yeah, kind of I mean, this is like, yeah. what, Moon Knight Special, issue one from 1992, and Web of Spider-Man, issue whatever, so... Gotcha. Yeah, it's just a bunch of random old stuff that they're uploading, gradually. Mm -hmm. So, that is Tuesday, pretty healthy week for DC in terms of the books mm -hmm. and uh, whatnot, so uh, what about Wednesday, Matt, you got a guess for, for Wednesday? Well, there's a new number one I see, but I don't, I don't expect that to be a, a big... Uh, so, I don't know, maybe... I don't know what it ties into, but it doesn't look like it's a typical thing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess that it's Children of the Vault. It is not. It's not. Okay. Well, then I'm gonna say Crypt of Shadows. Nope. Whoa. Okay. Then I have wait. It's not Spine Tingling Spider Man, is it? Nope. Okay. Then I I'm I have no guesses. I don't think you would ever guess this, to be honest. Number one right now on on Comicsology is mm -hmm. Invincible Iron Man issue 11. What? But why, though? Let's see. <laughs> I don't know. Debut character, maybe, or something? Maybe. Debut character. Let's see who's... But, but that really affect digital Duggan? sales, though? I don't think so. It's yeah. got Emma Frost. It's... It, it, there's a tie-in to Fall of X, it looks like. Um, uh, yeah, maybe that's... Uh, I don't know. It, it's tied into the X event. Maybe that's just yeah. all it is. Uh, yeah. Number two is Children of the Vault. Number yeah, three okay. is Big Game Issue 4. That's a Mark Miller indie book, so congratulations, gotcha. I guess. Uh, four is Astonishing Iceman. Five mm -hmm. is Daredevil. Number six is The Sensational She-Hulk, Issue 1. Number seven is Avengers Inc., Issue 2. Number eight is Incredible Hulk, Issue 5. Number nine is Scarlet Witch, Issue 9, funnily enough. And uh, number 10 is Gargoyles Halloween Special Issue 1. So Disney, uh, well, technically that'll be Marvel published, I assume, because it's yeah. owned by Disney, but uh, it's Disney branding on this book specifically. So How did I miss this? I would have bought this had I seen it. I love Gargoyles. I never saw Gargoyles as a kid. It just... Uh... Uh, it's uh, taught me about Shakespeare, because they use a lot of Shakespearean characters mm. um, and stuff, and, and the whole Arthurian legends and all that stuff. You know, what started off as a, just a pretty decent, just like kind of kid show, really got into itself on continuity and, and storytelling. So, um, oh, well, yeah, it's all set in in their current continuity. So it's cool. It's from Greg Wiseman, too, who created the show. Um, but yeah, it looks like it's branded through Dynamite, though. So I don't know how that stuff works now with Marvel and licensing. Yeah, because it's, it's Disney, but it's put out through Dynamite. So... Uh, and then Turtles had issue 144 out this week. I'm just pointing out that that's still going strong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that that run keeps going. So uh, very good. Uh, there you go. That's Comicsology Top 10 for the week. You are welcome, everyone. <laughs> you got to say it like Sandow. You're welcome. Don't be proud of it. Just don't call me a hero. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> okay. Don't call me a hero. 
All right, there you go. Uh, but we do have solicits to look at for January, uh, and I'll remind everyone that the first week, or at least most of the first week of January, was solicited already in the December solicits. So if you think something's missing, it might be something that was already solicited, so not necessarily a reason to worry. That's not to say that there isn't anything missing that I've not noticed, because there very well could be, but, uh, mm-hmm. but keep that in mind. So looking at January solicits, it is a five-week month, so we might see an annual or two. Uh... So we have Action Comics 1061. Uh, this is Jason Aaron. We knew that Jason Aaron, this was part of the news last week, is that they're doing mm-hmm. this rotating thing where each creative team's only doing three issues of Action Comics. So it's Jason Aaron for the first three of the year. And then there's a crossover with Superman written by Williamson for the second. And then we don't know who the third and fourth teams are yet, but they'll announce them at a later date. Yep. So that's the thing. Um, I, I mean, I'm very excited that Jason Aaron's kicking that off. I'm so, sure, yeah. Uh, uh, interestingly, it doesn't seem to have other writers, which would maybe suggest that mm-hmm. we're not doing a backup, so it's going to be three... Sli- well, they're sh- actually shorter, because they don't, cause right now they're doing the two backups, so they're really mm-hmm. big issues of Action Comics. Right. It seems like, um, starting with this, they're down to the $5.40 page format, mm-hmm. but there's no other creators for a backup. So unless it's the same team doing the backup, I assume, and because they're only getting three issues each, maybe they're getting, you know, that 10 the extra full, pages per yep. issue. They're getting the full whatever it works out to. Yeah. To add, so. it's, not, it's not a full 40 of no, stories. No, it's right? about 30 or 32. Yeah. Some of that with, with so they'll, they'll get that. And, and yeah, and, and John Tim's on the art. Um, seems like a pretty pretty solid team. Yeah, so that's cool. Uh, we have Batman and Robin 2024 Annual, uh, mm-hmm. written by Williamson, so probably ties into the, the main book mm-hmm. well enough. We have Detective Comics 1081. Oh, that's a beautiful cover. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's quite pretty. Yeah, it's like, it's like a cave uh, made of... Uh, it looks like the like bat cowl, but it's also kind of skull looking yep. as well. It's, it's got a bit of a mix to it. Yep, yep. Yeah. I'm trying to see which one that is. Yeah, color, also if that's Evan Cagle. Federici's listed here as one of the artists on this issue. Yeah, and Stefano Raffaelli. So either way, uh, both those artists, uh, big hands of. In good hands. Uh, mm. We got the Penguin issue six. So that is. Oh, that's not. That's not a mini. I, I was thinking, is that wrapping that up? But yeah. yeah, that's just ongoing. So at least for now, anyway. So fair enough. Uh, very good. Like, I mean, that's been so good after the first two issues that. Uh, Hype is there. And I know why Matt is smiling, because he's looking at the next thing, which is the Valentine's one-shot, the 80-page $10 book, which is called DC's How to Lose a Guy Gardener in 10 Days. So that's one of me and my wife's movies. We we like that movie, uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Now you're going to put Guy Gardner at the center of it. I feel like I'm going to end up buying this. I'm going to be very upset with myself. (laughs) So I'm going to buy it for the lols or just having it because it's, you know, it's got a fun title. I recognize uh, uh, Margaret Savage on the, mm-hmm. the writer list and Dennis Hopeless as well, but all the names mm-hmm. after that, I do not recognize yeah. any of them. No. Uh, so. but it's got an Amanda Connor cover, so that, you know, looks good. Uh, like, you know what? If, if, the sun, if you want to blow your money on dumb I, shit, I you know. I just. It's, I, it's so, I know. I say this a lot, though. I say this a lot with the, the Halloween titles, too. I end up not getting them. Um, but yeah. All right, we got um a reprint of Robin. Oh, sorry, of Batman two eight. Or, I mean, start that sentence again. Yeah, there you go. All right, a reprint of Batman four two eight. Robin lives. 
which is a Jim Starlin uh, comic. Obviously, this is uh, uh, you know, Jason Todd, uh, Death in the Family yeah. stuff. Uh, we have the Trinity Special issue one, which is effectively an annual for Wonder Woman. It's, you know, yeah. it's just called Trinity Special uh, by Tom King with uh, Sam Pierre and Ortega on art. So it does feel like this, much like the the Batman and Robin one. This feels like it's very mm-hmm. much going to be a part of the run that's ongoing, which which I like. I like that in the fifth week books. Give me an extra issue in one of the runs. I'm all for that. So that is cool. Uh, nice cover as well. Yep. Happy to see it. Uh, then we have Titans Beast Worlds issue four, five, and six because this is obviously they're firing through the event over two months. Issue six being the last issue, uh, that's oversized that one uh, yeah. versus the other issues, and that's out again in the last week of the month. So week five in January is looking quite nice. It looks like there's like three or four meaty mm-hmm. books that are either tying in or finishing off stories or events. So um, all for that. Uh, hopefully, it's good stuff. Uh, and there's one more tie-in as well for January that they've announced here. Titans Beast World Tour Star City issue one, which has got Williamson, Ryan Parrott, Robert Venditti, and uh, Branton Steen uh, writing with Jamal Campbell, uh-huh. Roger Cruz, uh, Gavin Goodry, and Branton Steen on art. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Venditti, I wonder what Venditti's doing. What, what part of the story? Um, uh, yeah, always, well, always I, him. I imagine it's split up into different characters related to Green Arrow. Yeah. So. Uh, who knows well, yeah, but I'm like, it, it, like, is he going to be doing, you know, because I like just Hawkman, so I'm trying to think what what could be. Has Venditti been, has Venditti didn't do Ollie or any of the Arrow characters, huh? Uh, he's not, he's not, Justice League. he's not written a Green Arrow book, no, certainly. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, he just started the Sandman book that was, uh, yeah. last week, issue one came out. I gotta, I gotta read that still. Yeah. Behind. Obviously, the art's not amazing. I actually quite like the story, though. Connor mm-hmm. was a bit more mixed on it, so... I was shocked. See how you feel about it, but I, I thought it was, yeah. was not bad. I'll get there. Yeah, you gotta read that in the Christian Word book, so... Yes, that was... Do you know what? Yeah. That book is pretty good with great art, and then yeah. about maybe 10% from the end, it becomes amazing. Fantastic. Right. Gotcha. It, 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 there's, there's a turn and you'll know the page yeah. when you get to it. Yeah, you got to read that still. Uh, so I'm behind, but I'm working overtime tomorrow, so I plan to get caught up. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it sounds like there's a Oliver and Connor story and then a Black Canary story and then a Red Arrow and Stargirl mm-hmm. team up. Uh, mm-hmm. So at least that's three of the stories anyway. So fair enough. Um, we have Titans issue seven. Uh, obviously, just continue Taylor's uh, run. This is Travis Moore on art, who's actually a fine <sighs> artist to have uh, slot in if we can't have yeah. uh, Nicholas Scott for a little bit. No, no complaints there. Uh, we have Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong issue four. We'll talk about issue one of that later. Well, at least I will anyway. Matt didn't yeah. uh, have a chance to read that, which is weird because he's the King Kong fanboy. I know it's it's one of those things that yeah, just work which and means craziness. I get to make up whatever I want. <laughs> I still have the issue, so I, I will go through as you're going to keep you honest. Oh, no. Would you believe it? King Kong got his ass whipped on page three and page four. And <laughs> page five? Oh. By none other than Plastic Man. <laughs> now he's getting teabagged by Guy Gardner. This is so weird. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> Although, the reason why I said Guy Gardner is I, I tried to think, what, what superhero is immature Which, enough to teabag someone and Guy Gardner's the first name that came to mind. It's either Booster or Guy. Yes. It's one of the two. Like, you can't, yeah, it's gotta be. Maybe Jason Todd. I could see Jason Todd teabagging. I don't know. He's too self-serious anymore. Uh, maybe, know? yeah, he's a bit aggro for it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. 
Uh, we have Batman 141, uh, Chip Zarsky, Jorge Jimenez. Uh, we're still doing Zero and R stuff because the cover is very much, uh, uh, you know, a split uh, like horrors, Two-Face kind of thing. The horrors persist. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, it's become kind of, you know, whatever. Uh, we have Batman Offworld issue 3. This is the Jason Aaron miniseries, mm-hmm. which obviously we've not had the start of yet, so we can't comment, yeah. but uh, I'm intrigued, if nothing else, on what yeah. this is. Uh, we have Batman and Robin issue 5, continuing Williamson's run. Looks like more Damien school stuff, judging by the cover, which I'm happy about mm-hmm. because uh, it's my favourite part of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Batman Brave and the Bold issue 9, which notably has the conclusion to the Tom King and Mitch Garage Joker story. And I think it's the only part that's left as well. I think this is part 4 of 4. Uh, okay. So we can double check that when the, the new issues come out, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I looked ahead at the solicits for the trade, the collection that's further down, and that yeah. just says from from issues one, one, two, five, and nine. So we've done one, okay. two, five already. So. Oh, we still got a while, man. Yeah, it's a few months before we get that last that's part. That's a bummer. It'll be worth it, though. Yeah, it'll be consistent, and obviously yeah. that's great. So uh, very much looking forward to that that story wrapping up. Uh, <laughs> so that's cool. We have Nightwing 110, uh, which what the hell am I looking at here? This is the, the, the lady yelling in the cat react meme. I mean, I but get with, that, but is that yeah. Damien who's the cat? I believe so. Because <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't see... Dick wouldn't be yelling at, at any of the other Robins like that, so... I mean, I, I'll be honest, it didn't even click it was the meme because I was too focused on who the hell's turned into a cat. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right, it's the, yeah, it's the lady yelling yeah, at the cat. Yeah, it's got to be Damien because there's also uh, John is on there yes yes so it yeah. makes sense it makes sense uh that's fun it probably ties into uh the beast world stuff beast stuff yeah, yeah that makes sense uh catwoman 61 uh notable the cover for this which is very nice has the classic purple with the, the black boots yeah uh, outfit and stefano Raphael's on art for this issue not that nico who's on the yep. the current stuff is is by any any slouch but it's mm-hmm. another, Teeny Howard's getting another artist, which makes me wish I liked the book more than I do. Yeah. Oh, well. It is what it is. But yeah, I like that costume a lot. Uh, the purple costume's Honestly, iconic. it's probably my... Either this or the goggles are my favorite Catwoman costume, and the, I'm not sure which. The, the, I, I kind of go yeah. back and forward. The goggles that, when she flips them up, make them look like cat ears, right? Those, that's my favorite, just because it fits her character so well. That's also when she's more of an anti-hero. Uh, but when she's a villain, you know, on that side more, the purple really stands out. Mm. Um, you got Harley Quinn, 36. Uh, that's just rocking on. Not Nothing to say. Yeah. Outsiders issue three, uh, which uh, issue one for this has been getting some buzz from the retailers who had advanced copies. They've been nice. encouraged people to pre-order it. So uh, hopefully nice. we end up feeling the same way when we get our hands on it. Uh-huh. Uh, luckily, the Gilla March name that you're seeing there is just for a variant cover. There's nothing to worry about. Yep. <laughs> Just uh, keep that in mind. Superman Lost issue 10, that wraps up in January. Sadly, I just didn't care enough to keep reading it. Um, it got too bogged yeah, down and so on stuff. But hey. uh, we have Superman Batman World's Finest issue 23. That's a very pretty cover, actually. Uh, the dark mm-hmm. background, which is the lightning, and the red floor is very stark. It's, it's very reminiscent of Moira's work on Once in Future. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's uh, coming out in January. And we have Batman World's Batman Superman World's Finest 2024 annual. So this is, I think, this is maybe our last week hey. five book. Uh, okay. And this has got Mark Wade, but also some other names here. So I assume that means backups mm-hmm. in this case, rather yep. than one big story. 
Uh, Cullen Bunn, Stephanie Williams, Dennis Culver, and Christopher Cantwell are also credited as writers. And then on art, we've got Edwin Galman, Rosie Campe, Travis Mercer, and Jorge Fornes. I feel like... I feel like Fornes is the only one there that I know, but I like Fornes a lot, so it's a good name to recognize. Yes, yeah. Travis Mercer feels familiar too. It says. So. I don't know if it's that or if it's just because the name Mercer, I think, yeah. is from something else, and it's making mm-hmm. my brain click. And we have I'm trying tra- to figure out which one Fornes is working on because I, w- I would hope the Metamorpho. And we have a, a Travis Moore, obviously, who does art mm-hmm. in DC. So I think my brains it com- be. combining them together a little bit. Uh, we got Superman issue ten. Bruno Redondo's doing this issue, which. I'm a little sad about because it means he's not doing Nightwing for a bit, but yeah. uh, Superman's a cowboy on the front cover of this. I don't know how Matt feels about <laughs> Superman cowboy, but... I mean, it's making me feel things that I'm conflicted about. So, <laughs> you know. What, sexually? Here I, thought, here, here I thought the only cowboy I was into was Hangman, but now <laughs> you got Clark, so here we go. Mm, mm. He wouldn't botch... The Superman would not botch the buckshot. I'll tell you that much. No, he would not. Uh, he doesn't even have to. He doesn't have to flip in the road. He can just fly in with a clothesline. He doesn't need to yeah. do the flip. Uh, we have Wonder Woman issue five with another fantastic cover. Oof, uh, yeah. That is gorgeous. So it's a red star. Uh, Wonder Woman's in front of the star, uh, but the negative space because mm-hmm. uh, the star's kind of off center, so you only see like most. It's like just over half the star you see, but on the side where there's like more space, the top white part is actually blue with a, a villain in it, and then the white underneath that part is like a secret agent and like negative space and then the bottom which is yellow is the white house it's just it's gorgeous it's very well or done the ca- or the capital was oh, it the capital sorry it sorry, is you're the right. capital yeah it's, ah, sorry. All, it's impor- okay. all important you American buildings look the same it's fine no nah, to be fair now that you've said that it, it doesn't look yeah. anything like the white house I just mm-hmm. it's important US building who cares yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we but don't expect important things happening in there, especially right now. Like, it might be an important building, but there's yes. nothing but circus shenanigans going on there right now. Yes, yes. This, this was the one that was stormed, right? That's the, um, yeah, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, just, keep, just keeping it right in my head. Uh, so, yeah, very good. Obviously, issue one was fantastic. Really looking forward to issue two mm-hmm. later this month. Uh, we have Amazon's Attack issue four. In fact, we get issue one of that next week, so we'll check that out. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is Josie Campbell uh, writing this, of course. So, uh, looking forward. Uh, we have The Flash issue 5, which um, Connor was very down on, issue yeah. 1 of this. Uh, but I mean, uh, as, as was I. I was more middling compared to Connor, but yeah. I thought I was down on it. He was way more down. Um, I'm still going to give it time. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. I figured you would be. Um, yeah. I, I was definitely more... It was definitely a word day, but, and I don't know if that'll change, but I was kind of yeah. into what it was doing otherwise, though, so I'm, I'm kind of cool with it as long as it keeps me engaged. Uh, mm-hmm. Speed Force issue three, not started yet, so can't comment. But that's Wallace nope. and Avery uh, doing stuff. Uh, we have Green Lantern issue seven, uh, so that's cool. Peter J. Tomasi is doing the backup. Uh, yeah, here his his return to ring slinging, which I'm pretty excited for. Yeah, that's interesting. So that's cool. Uh, yeah, uh, we got Green Lantern War Journal issue five. Uh, we'll talk about issue two of that a little bit later, but uh, yeah. very nice cover here, actually, uh, this one yep. as well. Uh, we have Power Girl issue five. We have Green Arrow issue eight, which... <laughs> I mean, uh... He looks happy. I'm happy for Ollie, but, you know. <laughs> I just, I we'll feel like see. That, that's the book now that we're kind of uh-huh. reading ironically, I guess, is the way that's I put the, it. Uh, uh-huh. That's the, I'll put it that way. Uh, Wesley Dodds, The Sandman, issue four. 
is out in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Jay Garrick, The Flash, issue four, also out in January, as well as Alan Scott, Green Lantern four, which mm-hmm. has probably out of those, those three. I mean, Sandman's cover is very nice, but uh, Alan Scott, Green Lantern's cover is is very stunning. I think. Yeah. Uh, so very, it's, it's very what good. it does with all the native space too, right? Of this yeah. cape, and then the the darkness behind him. Uh, him holding the lantern. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very, very good. Uh, Justice Society of America issue 9 has been solicited for January. It'll probably not actually come out in January because they just announced delays to all the other issues yeah. that are coming before it. So expect this in maybe April, I would guess, if I was to mm-hmm. pin it on anywhere. Uh, we have another uh, big $10, in this case, 100 page special uh, DC Power 2024, uh, celebrating various black characters in oh. the DC universe. Uh, for Black History Month, I presume. I know, obviously, that's February, but pr- th- yeah. this is out in the last day. The f- yep. Uh, well, second last day of January. So, obviously, they want it in stores before it hits February. Mm-hmm. And that's why this is here. So, yeah. They've been doing this for a few years now. So, uh, not surprising. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, we got N.K. Jemison and Jamal Campbell um, with the Far Sector stuff. So... Uh, in here, so that, that'll be worth a read for. Yeah, John Ridley's in there writing something, mm-hmm. uh, so that's, that's not bad. Uh, and obviously, this and both the Valentine special are both out at the end of January, just so they're yeah. out in time for the respective days. Um, sure. I don't think we'll look at either of them. I think we've got a nice, you know, set of four books or so that are all, you know, yeah. more interesting. I, I think you know we we tried to do these specials for the first year or so, of, like the show, and it became very clear just how little there was to really talk about yeah. with them and they're so. kind of a big investment time wise as well for sure they, yeah they didn't being so big so yeah uh joker harley quinn uncovered issue one power girl uncovered issue one birds of prey uncovered issue one uh i'll just run through those quickly they're all just you know covers mm-hmm. uh we have john constantine hellblazer dead in america issue one this is written by Cy spurrier Oof. and art by aaron campbell Connor, calm down. <laughs> this is an eight-issue book. I assume it's black label, just because this seems yeah. to make sense. Um, it's got a nice cover. I'll give it that. Like that's a cool cover. Yeah, With I can a... show you what it what it's about because it looks like it's a continuation of something, or maybe that's just where it's starting out. Yeah, maybe because yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's Constantine, but his face is like a skull. And then there's a lot of just different things in the background behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks spooky. Uh, Batman and Joker, the Deadly Duo, Unplugged, Issue 1. I assume this is just a, a, a black and white sil- version. Of the Mark Silvestri book, yeah. Yeah, that's all it is. Looney Tunes 276, Mad Magazine 36. And that wraps up the single issues. And Newsarama, I actually like this. They've put a nice handy list at the bottom yeah. of what's out each week, including the stuff that was already solicited. So um, I won't run I'm through it. I'm going to screen cap this and uh, <laughs> Matt, keep it. It'll literally just be on League of Comic Geeks, like, already. Yes, I know, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start trying to prepare better. Okay, okay. Yeah. you can start preparing, preparing better. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not mad at it. So, yeah, okay. Uh, is week one still quiet? It doesn't look quiet, just from a glance here, hon. Huh? I mean, Batman, no. Birds of Prey, um, Neil the Zog, Zog book, Poison maybe. Ivy. Shazam... Uh, uh-huh. It's still pretty quiet, actually. A lot of yeah. that is... It's kind of these fluffy miniseries that I'm not reading. So, yeah, week one is still yeah. pretty quiet, which is yeah. why it's Patreon book week. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, so I started reading the Fire and Ice book, and um, having time in between them, it did not start off 
on a good foot. So I think I'm done with that book. Oh yeah. Well, I really um, I hate the first yeah. issue. So I mean, you're... yeah. The second one starts with a lot of the current speak and them talking like, and it was just it was kind of annoying. Uh, plus ambush bug, not a big fan of him, but yeah. So <laughs> dropping off of that, uh, sure, having sure. a Titans Beast World tie-in, I'm sure I'll try out. So, and I intend to get caught up on Blue Beetle because I think I'm too behind. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah. Good. Uh, just to run through the collections in this list, it's just quickly. We have Sandman Universe, Nightmare Country, The Glass House, and hardcover. Uh, we've got Absolute Batman and Son by Grant Morrison. So, uh, and I feel like Batman and Robin by Grant already got an Absolute. So this, and R.I.P. probably did. So this probably just helps complete the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, except from uh, Return of Bruce Wayne and the Incorporated stuff at mm-hmm. the end. So, neat. Uh, Night Terrors, Nocturnal Creatures, another batch of the uh, tie-ins for Night Terrors. Yep. Do not recommend. Uh, Night Terrors, Terror Titans, same idea. Also don't recommend. Uh, we have Batman, Brave and the Bold, Volume 1, The Winning Card. And this is just the Tom King and Garrett story. Yep. That's all it is. It's 112 pages. So this, this is going to be worth, or worth, this is going to be $17 that I'm happy to spend on. Because it'll be all yeah. in one spot. I can read it when I want at, at the right pace. Yeah, although sadly, it's just soft cover. I expect yeah. a deluxe or something for this. Uh, they'll probably will at some point down yeah. the line, but for now, it's just paperback. So, mm-hmm. got that. Green Arrow Volume 1, uh, soft cover, Unstoppable Doom Patrol, collection of the recent miniseries, soft cover, uh, Cyborg Homecoming, which is the uh, current miniseries, and soft cover. Then we have Action Comics Volume 1, Rise of Metallo, which is. Uh, Interesting they're calling that Volume 1. That's weird. But this is mm-hmm. the post-war world uh, part of Philip Kennedy right. Johnson's run. So they're calling that Volume 1 for whatever reason, but that's soft cover. Uh, we got Superman, Lois and Clark, Doom Rising. That's the backups from action, the uh, the Dan Jurgen yep. stuff. So that's all of that in one neat book. Uh, Just Society of America, Volume 1, The New Golden Age. That's the first five issues of... Oh, sorry, the first seven issues plus the Golden Age one-shot. Yep. So that's actually quite me. That's over 200 uh, pages. Uh, for the 232 first, to be exact. Yeah, first GSA collection for that new John series, which is, I actually mm-hmm. think is very good. It's just, it's hurt by the delays, but I actually think the book's yeah. uh, very enjoyable. We have Superboy Man of Tomorrow collecting the recent miniseries. We have Red Hood Outlaws Volume 1, which is... So Webtoons. Ah, okay. I was going to say, what the hell is this? But I'm glad you knew that. Uh, same yep. with Batman Wayne Family Adventures Volume 3, I presume. Yep. Uh, then we got Vixen NYC Volume Four. We got Bad Dream, a Dreamer Story, which is a oh. original graphic novel. I assume this one. Yep. Yeah. From Nicole Maines, so yep, yep. that's cool. Makes sense. Uh, the little endless storybook box set. Oh, that's cute. I'll... <laughs> uh, and then we have Absolute Final Crisis reprint. So that's that would have been a thing. Uh, Batman and Robin by Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason Book One. So this is a this is one of their thicker soft covers that do like two or three trades worth mm-hmm. in one book. So I guess the plan with this is to do the... I mean, what does this go up to? Uh, first, The first 15 issues plus two relevant issues of the, the previous volume. So I imagine that means they're going to try and do this all in three books, give or take. Because mm-hmm. this didn't go all the way up to 52, like the other new 52 books, did it? This was only, I don't know, like 30 issues? Or maybe it's only two books then. Yeah. I'm trying to remember how far it got up because I remember reading it. I went back 
and caught up it, 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 didn't last, things. it didn't last to the end of the new 52 like before no. rebirth it, it stopped before yeah. then so it may just be two books they're going to try and do that in yeah. uh batman beyond the animated series classics compendium collection of old batman beyond stories uh fair enough uh batman incorporated volume two joker incorporated collected in recent stories uh batman volume one's feel safe soft cover so i got a hardcover already mm-hmm. uh world finest volume three elementary hardcover batman the adventures continues season three collected and then we have a new printing in fact we get an omnibus even of green lantern green arrow hard traveling heroes hey so that's got a 1300 plus page omnibus uh very interesting so that's collecting green lantern 76 to 87 and 89 to 123 which is when green lantern just became a team up mm-hmm. book with the two of them but then it also co- collects stories from a bunch of brave and the bold issues some flash issues uh and just various other things where it became a thing again uh sporadically so uh seems very inclusive someone would have to actually check if this is everything that would fall under like the dennis and neil hard traveling yeah. hero stuff but i mean i would i would think so considering it's 1300 pages you would assume so but yeah it's one of these things where sometimes you hear later oh they made a mistake and missed one yeah. issue somewhere you know yeah uh harley quinn volume 3 verdict harley quinn volume 5 who killed harley quinn so that's soft cover and hardcover respectively uh gla book one so this is the grant morrison stuff uh-huh. uh again this is a 600 page soft cover that is huge for a soft cover don't drop it on your foot like that's going to like the spine's going to be cracking at that size yeah. I, I don't think i like that that's too big for a soft cover but regardless that's there uh justice league international omnibus volume three so they're really firing through that is that yeah, uh, they are. is that the end of the run is this is this all of it Let's see I don't know where, like how far we're up to. I don't to. know either. Uh, it, a third omnibus. Think about that. Like, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, Justice League, the New 52, book one. So they're doing thick trades. And this, yeah, this is 500 plus pages of the New 52 Justice League. It <sighs> has issues one through 17 and then the Aquaman issues for the Aquaman crossover. So that's the first three trades, I think, combined. <sighs> mm-hmm. If I remember Let's correctly, uh, we got Superman Emperor Joker, the deluxe edition, which when I read this for the first time with Connor a few years ago, I hated it. <laughs> so Yeah, it's one of these ones that gets put up and like when I finally got around to reading it, I was like, why do people like this so much? Like, it's definitely of an era, you know? Yeah, I didn't like that. I think the first issue was okay and then it just kind of went off a cliff. Yeah. Uh, Superman, the Silver Age Omnibus Volume 1. I think Batman oh. got a Silver Age Omnibus recently in Solicit, so this makes sense that they're mm-hmm. doing Superman as well. Uh, it's really neat that they're they're making sure everything of these characters is going to be available in high quality. It's uh, good that, stuff. That cover's so iconic too with yeah. him with, with Brainiac. And it probably so. means that you know they'll all end up on their their digital service as well, yep. remastered at some point as well. So very good. This is Action Comics two four one to two five six and Superman one two two to one three seven. So it's doing both of the main series, uh, alternating. Uh, good stuff. Teen Titans Year One, new printing. Yeah. Uh, so, cool. This uh, is interesting. Is it? Yeah, well, so this is uh, the Kingdom 25th anniversary, uh, which was the follow-up to... Oh, okay, the next... I thought you meant Kingdom the Titans Co- book. I was like, why? Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. This the, one. the Kingdom 25th anniversary deluxe yeah. edition. It's just Kingdom Come. 
I think is it just Kingdom Come? No, it's it's the the sequel to Kingdom Come. Oh, okay. And so this is interesting considering what Wade's doing right now in yeah. its finest. I have never read the sequel to Kingdom Come. I've read Kingdom yeah. Come, but never mm-hmm. read this. Uh, that's very interesting. Yep. Um, yeah, you're right. This is like a bunch of different books, by the looks of it. Uh, yeah. It wasn't just like a main series. It was like a bunch of one-shots and stuff. Yep. Uh, we have Wildcats Volume 2, Bloodshed for a Better Tomorrow. That's just a recent Wildcats book, and that is the end of the solicits. So there you go. That was a lot of collections in this one. Yeah, it was. I thought we were going to fire through the collections part quickly like we usually do, and that was like, nope. <laughs> tears, tears. Think, think again. Four times as many as you normally get. You stupid podcasters. <laughs> Fine, DC. Uh, uh, let the door hit you in the way out. Or I'll, I'll tell all, all the listeners that all your books suck and they'll not buy them. I mean, Connor's been doing that for a while and people still <laughs> buy them. So. Yeah, but he's Connor. They, they respect my opinion more. <laughs> uh, all right. Funny. My can's crushed. Which means my beverage is finished, which I'm not happy about. But however, it does mean it's time for the comics themselves. So we're going to fire in. And Matt, you've been missing the last two weeks, so you're not aware that I've done this. I have worked out some legacy numbering for a few of these books that DC are telling us. Um, Good for you. Superman obviously has told us. You know, it says in the cover 850, yeah. and you'll notice that under the uh, 7, there's a little legacy 850 as well, so that's mm-hmm. going to be a permanent thing there on the cover. They started doing it with Batman last issue too. I was really surprised by that. So, because they did it with Flash and Wonder Woman, which I kind of expected, because they they had went back to original numbering and they were being renumbered, so I understand why they felt, oh, let's acknowledge the legacy numbering. I'm happy mm-hmm. that they're doing it with Batman and Superman as well, because they really should be tracked. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Superman issue seven, Legacy eight fifty. Joshua Williamson writing with Gleb Melnikov, Dan Jurgens, and Edward Galman on the art. So this is, uh, you know, actually it took me like a minute to because this book starts with like Perry White doing his speech, and it turns out he's running for yep. mayor, which I thought was a fun mm-hmm. little bit. I liked all that quite a bit. Yeah, but it, I was like, what happened last issue? What was the? Uh, it took, and it wasn't until the dude with the chain showed up. And went, oh yeah, 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 the president, super, yeah, yeah. It all came back, but it took yep. me. So, it took so me a minute. And stuck. Yeah, I remembered like with the Perry stuff. It did throw me for a loop too, because then I remember this was the whole thing. Uh, he was kind of the catalyst for everyone forgetting that Superman is Clark Kent, mm. uh, right? So uh, he Perry White's been gone. I think this is the first time we've seen him, right? Since since, since that incident, uh, certainly since uh, this Superman run started, yeah. this is the first time I've seen him for sure. Yeah, so so I got a little bit distracted by that, and then you know, once the chain dude came up with his Doc Doc Ock like presence, yes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I actually that's you know what. So this is an oversized issue, right, for eight fifty, mm-hmm. which it isn't really. Well, I actually not. I'm thinking of action, so it is a bit oversized, but it it does this weird thing where I think the first like few big like scenes right which is perry doing his speech the Uh attack with a chain the super family showing up and then superman himself breaking out of the prison to come and help and the fight that ensues loved all that stuff i thought oh damn williamson's hitting his stride this feels like a Mm -hmm. superman run i'm digging the shit out of this right and even the start of the next bit which was lex wanting to get a hospital and lois coming up to talk to him loved the first half of that loved the first half of that scene Uh 
And then there was this weird turn where all of a sudden they felt like Williamson was just throwing tons of shit at the wall. Where I'm like, wait a minute, there's a daughter. Oh no, and then Brainiac's up to stuff. What, what are we doing here? <laughs> so in a vacuum, I don't mind him seeding stuff out. However, I wish we could have spaced out the Brainiac stuff oh. and the fact that they seem to be doing in continuity Lena Luther as, yes. as the daughter. As the daughter um, rather than the sister, yeah. But there's also sometimes the brainiac with her, judging by the way she was drawn. Yeah, there was like basically it was it was almost like it was meant to be like a subtle like you see three circles on her head yep. that are just kind of imprints, and I'm not sure yep. if the other characters in the scene are meant to see that or if that's just for yep. us the audience to sort of notice and go, oh, connection to brainiac, yeah. and then that was just Which... the brainiac. I just I, I think I Joe you know I would have preferred. I think mm-hmm. that if I, I mean the Lena thing's still a bit weird, but I would have liked yep. them to end the the story there. And mm-hmm. then present the Brainiac stuff as a backup, even though it's yep. the same writer. But because it's a different artist and the art shifts yep. dramatically when Big you get to that time. Brainiac stuff, I yep. actually think it would have been better to give me the credits page and mm-hmm. then say, okay, and now for the, the for the special issue, here's your right. bonus backup, teasing a story that's coming next year, Almost. which is which is effectively what it is. But the right. fact that it goes straight into it like it's connected really felt yep. weird which, and jaded. Because again... Uh, because the the putting the brainiac dots on Lena is what what is really what drives me nuts. Because I don't feel that they're connected unless they're gonna try to make her like this is like it's like not Lex's biological daughter, right? This was some offshoot of when he you know with the brainiac technology Which, or whatever. I mean, I, I guess thematically I understand mm-hmm. in the sense that the the chain says that he was created by Lex and he assumes yeah. that Superman is, and we know that Connor is actually a creation of Lex. Right. Um, so the idea that after that conversation, you then introduce his quote unquote daughter, uh, mm-hmm. the implication that he's all she's also a creation, but not like just a traditional biological creation of Lex, right. makes sense thematically. I understand it, and I think if the issue mm-hmm. ended there, um, I wouldn't like I, it would have been out of nowhere. But at least I'd have been mm-hmm. like, okay, I can sort of like think back to like, the themes that it's tying into and understand yeah. why it's a part of the story. But the transition to Brainiac just felt so stilty to me and just like abrupt uh-huh. and like, what are we doing now? And it's not even just that. It's like, yeah. it's Brainiac and he's got some crazy plan where he's he's bringing the Sarzians out of his bottled city, uh, wherever, wherever city on Zarnian he took. Yeah, well, so here's here's the thing too. So one of the cities that he has there, so let's talk about the Brainiac story first. Since sure. Already here, right? So it's got, you know, Brainiac talking about how every time he's run up against Superman, Right. Superman has ended up winning because of, you know, Superman creates a different kind of problem for Brainiac because Brainiac's always about just the pursuit of knowledge and he needs to do something different. Uh, and so then he talks about how he needs a bottled city from Earth, but he can't get one because Earth is so varied. Uh, he goes, unlike this too, planet. Too many uh, metahumans is one of the too big Too many metahumans. Right. And, uh, you know, makes it hard for him. Right. So then he brings up Brawl and how on Brawl they can, you know, they, they all have magnetism. Which is where he is. He's, uh, he's like in the orbit of Brawl, getting uh-huh. ready to go down. Yeah. Do you know, is Brawl familiar with you for any reason? It sounds familiar, but no, I'm not, I right. can't tell you what it so is. So Brawl, Brawl is the home world of Cosmic Boy of the Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> yeah, I was never going to know that. <laughs> no, right? So this is this is that planet, right? This is where Cos, who's my favorite, one of my favorite Legionnaires, top top three for sure, um, right? And that's where he's from. So the fact that Brainiac's going there and he is dropping these Zarnians, right? Which, as far as we know, Lobo was the last one, right? Yeah, not anymore. Which, by the way, 
me turning the page and see three lobo looking characters is not something that puts me in a good mood. <laughs> no, me neither. I'm not, not a big fan. One, one lobo is too many in my eyes. Yes. Uh, no. Um, and they all have different names too. They're, they're very Spanish names, which is a bit confusing, but that's just me being a, you know, looking at these words, um, you know, but so is Lobo, right? So why not? Why not give them Spanish esque names as well? Um, but yeah, he's going to drop them into Brawl, right? It's kind of like, almost like yes. a shock and awe. But he'll be very surprised, though, despite all of his plans, that somehow mm-hmm. Bart Gunn's going to win the whole thing. Because <laughs> it's the Brawl for All. Yes, exactly. The Brawl. Yes. That was the joke. Yes, the Brawl for All. And for those of you who did not watch wrestling in 1998, I'm well, sorry you did not get that reference, but it was it was Bart a good Gunn. reference. Yeah, Bart Gunn, the brother of Daddy Ass, Billy Gunn, uh, in story. Instantly, yeah, he's uh, not shit brothers. No, but then he ended up getting the, the crap kicked out of him by Butterbean and proved why the Brawl for All was such a terrible idea because you don't put your fake wrestlers in the ring with a real-life boxer. You just don't. <laughs> no, it's just uh, stupid. stupid. Yeah, there, so. one, one's, one's a fighter, the other is a performer. There's a very yes. big difference. Yes. Anyway, anyway. So, yeah, this whole thing at the <sighs> end just felt so, like, stilted to me. And mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, now all of a sudden, like, we're seeing these Zarnians down on the planet. There's fire everywhere behind them. And then on top of that, Brainiac's teasing that he's got some sort of, like, braid in a test tube that he's going to unleash yeah. into the world next year. And I just, I feel like, I don't mind them teasing the Brainiac story for next year as part of the special 850 issue. Yeah. I just think it would have been better served as a more separated story. Mm-hmm. and I, I still may not have liked the, been thrilled with some of the contents of it um, I think mm-hmm. I wasn't in love with the art I think the art's just a little bit off in this section um, I don't know if this is the Salmon artist because I'm not familiar with their yeah, work it has to, I, I think so yeah because obviously I know uh, Melnikov quite well from uh, various books um, I just and it's not Jurgens because we would know Jurgens because they yeah, have Jurgens yeah. listed as a penciler here and I don't know why. Uh, is it possible he did... Um, I don't even know. Huh. No, I think... See, see, there's at least a page when... Uh, I think he's doing the flashback stuff. Because there's a panel okay. of Superman flying that looks jargonsy to me. Okay. It's when Lex okay. is talking okay. about uh, like when he tried to be a hero and then Superman okay. showed up kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so... My, my big thing, so I, I love, like, Lois showing up to be like, okay, Lex, when are you going to betray Superman? We all know you're going to. Mm-hmm. And then Lex admitting, look, every time I try to beat him, I've, I've tried so many different things. And the one thing that I've kind of come to the conclusion of is that the problem wasn't him, it was me. I was trying to do the wrong thing the whole time. So I'm genuinely, at least he's saying that right now, that he mm-hmm. wants to help Superman. And that's all fine. I like all that. I love this. I, I love the idea of Lois knowing that Clark, despite the fact that it's Lex, that at a certain point, Clark is just too good for his own his own good, effectively, mm-hmm. that Lois is going to step in almost like a mother figure and be like, you better not, like, pick on my husband. <laughs> like, I, I know yeah. you're up to something, Lex. I know you're up to it. I, now, I, does Lex remember that he's Superman? Yes, I think he does. I think he clearly okay. knows, yeah. Because that was his plan, right? Yeah, that was him that did that, yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. So, because then when he talks about how he, you know, when he came there... You know, uh, and he remembered the the stuff from Smallville and stuff. I got a little bit confused. I, but I was just not remembering if Lex knew or not. I forgot about this when we were talking about earlier because now I'm looking at the pages. Is that yeah. I think the reason why the daughter stuff was so weird and abrupt to me or felt yeah. weird is because we just did the mum 
Like Lexi's right. mum shows up out of nowhere, which and that was the one that made me go, wait, what? Like in continuity right now, is, like, is she supposed to be alive? Is she not? I mean, obviously uh, Lois reacts like, hey, you might be dead, and she's like, ah, right. don't read, don't believe everything you did in newspapers, yeah. Miss Lane. Which I do kind of like too. Like there's a Luther that's you know behind the scenes. You know, she yeah, doesn't have I to just, be up in the front. I think it was um, too much to reveal her yeah. and then the daughter, and the daughter. in the same mm-hmm. scene. Because when it got to the daughter, who was maybe a bit more interesting, because like we said earlier, she ties into the themes of Lexi's creations. Yeah. Like, yeah. that part of it makes sense to me. But because mm-hmm. it comes right after, oh, by the way, the mum's still alive and she's going to be like a, like a recurring element now. I was like, ah, oh, like, it just, it felt like too much. And this is where the, like, I was really enjoying this issue and it just kind of hit this and it just sort of, tumbled well, over. Well, here's the thing with the mom, too. This is the first time I can remember seeing Lex's mom. Yeah, she's never she, really been a big factor before, has she? Like, we've you know, done stuff with, with his dad, right? Even we, even yeah, under I, um, Snyder. We hear about her a lot, you know, yeah. when, you know, when he talks to her, his dad about her, or, uh-huh. you know, about his childhood or whatever. But yeah, you never right. really... She's always talked about like this right. absent figure as opposed to... So, so then when he's like, oh, is she here, right? I really thought they were setting up Lena as the sister, like doing the Supergirl kind yeah. of thing. You know, because that that had been established before. In fact, one of my favorite it's a it's a Manipul story from Superboy that um, they introduced his niece and Lena, and that Lena's dying of cancer, and Lex could have figured out how to beat cancer if he had wanted to. It really sold the idea like he is just this pompous narcissistic guy, but there was nothing in it for him, right? So Superboy and him have words, and he eventually does do it, and we got introduced to you know his niece, very similar in the way. That she's brought up here, you know, she's living in Smallville and with all this other stuff with the, with the aunt and stuff, or with her aunt. I can't remember. Anyways, long story short, this all felt very familiar. So, to do the mom and then to do the daughter at the same time, I was just like, oh man, okay. We're, we're really rushing this along, aren't we? We're not. We're not piecing out these reveals very it, yeah, well. Yeah, it's it's that's the problem I have with Williamson. Just when he's getting into a groove where I'm starting to like the story and the things that he set up, he then introduces or does too many things immediately mm-hmm. and kind of ruins it by like trying to just shift ahead yeah. to something else um yeah. that's said- all the stuff all the stuff the super family trying to bring in the chained i really liked yeah that was no i like really well paced and when when he looks at he looks at connor and is just you know he's like oh you're like me I like that reveal that this is, you know, mm. possibly one of Luther's experiments gone awry. I think, you know, the, 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 I mean, the Dar stuff, I, I think in the long run could still be good, even if the reveal mm-hmm. here is a bit weird. It yeah. just, you know, it, it just, and it's a fine enough cliffhanger for the story, but then we go to the Brainiac stuff and I just felt like, okay, you're just, yeah. you're throwing too many new things at me when I was actually, I was enjoying the story you were telling and now you're so quick to try and rush yeah. me away from it. And that's a problem I've had with Williamson. Uh, you know Throughout. many times at this point so mm-hmm. uh really frustrating in that sense i think i think jerkins does a lot of the art of the the lex stuff actually the, the lex stuff yeah, yeah it makes I, sense now I don't, I, I'm looking, I don't have it in front of me but i do remember it's not melnikov yeah the mom's looking quite uh jerkinsy as well when she shows up yeah I, mm-hmm. I think it switches to jerkins when it goes to i think melnikov does all the stuff in the first mm-hmm. chunk with uh perry and then all the big fight with uh yeah. the super family and that yeah uh i think um anyway so 
Yeah, not bad. Um, I also appreciated how big the action felt, you know, when change mm-hmm. just starts trying to collapse buildings and yeah. the super family has to rush in and try and evacuate them before they crumble. It felt like a big fight. It felt like, oh, this is a big oh. presence that they're, they're struggling to contain. Yeah. The scale of it sense- was, was really good in the art. You get a sense of just how big That's- this is. That's what I was going to say. The sense of scale is there when Perry looks up and sees this floating figure, right? And he can't quite tell what it is up uh, up against this big empty space. And so, yeah, it just it kind of gave the, the scale of Metropolis and how big this was. So then we start throwing the buildings around, you know, with the chains and whatnot. It, it is really there. And I also like, too, Superman trying to get out, right? And it could be really cheesy if I'm going to go, you know, I have more than one power, Right. Uh, but I do kind of like that. that well, I'll set know, up the context for that because you just sort of right, said the so, ending without it. Gotcha. So at the end of the last issue, right, he helped the chain get out of out of his prison. But by doing that, he put himself in there, and it ends up being kind of like the saw trap to the where the more you push against the 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 prison, uh, the chains and stuff, the more it pulls you down, right? So, and it seems to adapt as well because like. He's using his strength at first and she's saying, well, it's getting stronger because it counteracts your power. Right. And then he tries to vibrate like the flash and she's like, it'll wow. just start to speed up to match your speed. And then right. that's when he says, yeah, but I've got more than one power. The implication being that he's going to vibrate whilst firing it with heat vision and you know, just basically right. overload it so it can't keep up. Right, and confuse it and stuff. And, and I like that uh, concept, right? Because this was something that Luther made early just to contain this one person. And like, yeah, because that, how that ended, I was like, well, how's Superman going to get out of this, right? Thinking like a typical Luther device, it would just adapt to him. But just the idea of Superman using that, you know, I have multiple things to do. And we don't know how he gets out because we don't see. He just ends up showing up to help the Superman family. I think you get and the it, gist of it. You understand yeah. uh, what he's doing. Right. So, so yeah. And but yeah. So the face, a lot of fun. Um, he feels like a big threat, Chains. And obviously that ends with a uh, farm and graft uh, showing up and saying, Hey, we are the ones who orchestrated your escape. Come join us. Cause we hate Lex Luthor too. Yeah. Uh, so that I'm I kind of sure. hate this Lex Luthor revenge squad. But I love the name. <laughs> like I just, That's I fair. hate the idea of Lex being this heroes, the, like this forgotten hero of Metropolis. Oh and, yeah. I don't like um, that either. I, I hate that. Those flashbacks yeah. where he's got the purple and green suit. I hate <sighs> those. And I, I'm hoping this is one of his things that gone awry. This is what Lex does, right? Lex gets so over his own skis. He drinks his own Kool-Aid so much that he didn't realize that this, this team of villains he had assembled, right. That was going to make Metropolis better, you know? So I'm hoping there's an actual different version of events that we see that's not just him trying to be a hero you know um i just the idea of him having a purple and green suit at all before superman because the whole point the reason why he uh, makes a suit like that is because he wants to be big and colorful like superman mm -hmm. like he's he's emasculated by superman's existence so it just feels it's it's like the joker existing before batman does like it just doesn't make sense yeah same colors too i never really thought about that the green and purple also jokers yeah, also, I've been playing Spider-Man 2, and when uh-huh. uh, Norman Osborn Goblin? shows up, he's wearing a purple and green like, outfit, and yeah. I'm like... And when I say that, I he's not Goblin, he's just wearing, like, a suit. No. But it's, like, right. a green shirt and, like, a dark... Pur- you know, I'm like, why is it about green that's the villain color in comics, you know? Yeah. It must have just been because green was flashy, you know? Yeah. I think it's just because a lot of heroes are red or blue, so it just mm-hmm. green was the next strong color that they can use yeah. as the opposite. Right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, please please tell me he he lets you know that he's a bit of a scientist himself. <laughs> he's not said that line though. He's, they've not went for the cheap pop. Uh, there has been some Damn. some little references to things here yeah. or there. I'm sure there'll be some more for the because the first game had the uh, 
the train moment where you yep. try and stop it and it doesn't work but uh mm-hmm. he's like that worked last time kind of thing yeah so jokes yeah. are had well because i remember because norman norman's not in this about his presence in the first game right because there, there's he's in the, the uh, tower He's in the mid-credit scene because uh, okay. he comes in and looks at Harry, who's in like a like a tank, and that's like set up for some of the stuff in gotcha. two. Okay. So uh, I'm all, I'm only a few hours in, so I don't have like all the answers yet. No, but, yeah, I just yeah. I just remember Osborne Tower, and I kept expecting him to show up at a certain point. And no, he's there. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, Osborne's there. Harry's there. Uh, I've not even got to Venom yet, but uh, yeah. Craven the Hunter's shown up though. Oh, nice. So are those like the Taskmaster? Taskmaster? Task? Taskmaster? Where he keeps popping up, or is it just a one, one-time kind of deal? Oh no, Craven the Hunter is like the, like he's actually the main villain at the start of the game uh, oh, before Venom. Shoot. He's coming to uh, the city because he wants to hunt all the villains in Spider-Man. Oh, because he's you know, he's sick, he's bored of the jungle. All all the right. all the animals in the jungle are too boring now. So yeah. uh, he he's the main villain force right now, who's popped up in a few big story cutscenes. Okay. So very cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, I uh, it's a shame I don't have a next-gen system that I can play this on. So I'm just gonna have to. Live vicariously through my friends that are all playing here right now. <laughs> when you eventually do, Matt, you, you'll be wowed at one, how quick it loads, and two, mm-hmm. how fast you can, like, because you get the, the web wings in the second game, yeah. and uh-huh. you can, like, just, just, you can slingshot yourself, like, halfway across the city in one moment. Wow. Uh, it's it's super impressive. Uh, uh-huh. if, Very if, cool. If yeah. it, it feels like the future. <laughs> it, it's the first game, like, because I thought I'd feel like this with the with the next Jedi Fallen Order, with Survivor, and I just haven't. The buzz just wasn't there. But I really love that first Spider-Man was, game. The yeah. Jedi, uh, uh, what was the Survivor? one called? Jedi Survivor, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, people all said it was an improvement on the first one, so people seem to yeah, like it. Yeah, but, like, I didn't hear the same kind of buzz from my friends, like, sure. uh, on a Star Wars level. Like, you know, there was stuff that happened in the first game that, you know, I, I was made aware of from people that can't keep spoilers for themselves. <laughs> you know, Fair close enough. friends. It, right? It, so, it got, none of that was Survivor, you know. So. It got enough buzz that I added the first one to my wish list to wait for a sale yeah. to play it. And I don't yeah. even like Star Wars that much. No, just... it it is a lot of fun. Um, and especially once you level up enough and you, you go back, because uh, I can build the lightsaber that I built at Disneyland, right, in the game. So I, I went back <laughs> to get all my pieces. And when you go back through the early levels with your full Jedi powers, it's, it's a completely different game. It's Actually, a lot of fun. Joe was out in a few weeks on the new consoles. Uh, a Robocop game. And there was Ooh. a demo for it on PC a little while yeah. ago. And it's pretty good from what I played. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. So pretty are you good. just going and settling crime or, or what's the what's the deal? I mean, it's a first person shooter, firstly, but there is little oh, okay. side quest things you can go do as well. Gotcha. Uh, I didn't but, realize that was the first person. But you can uh, pick up dudes and throw them at a window and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So. See, that's that's the stuff you can do in Fallen Order once you have your full powers. Like you just push stormtroopers out of windows. It's the best. Yeah, and their heads pop when you get a headshot. You know, there's Ooh. Yeah. What? Is Ed two oh nine in there? It wasn't in the demo, but I'm sure he's in the full game. Yeah. No doubt. Oh my god. Well, they, got Peter, the they got Peter Weller back to voice Robocop and Nancy Allen that's to really voice cool. uh Lois. Oh my so. god. Sting has to be an unlockable thing, right? <laughs> he should be. He probably yeah. isn't, but he should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. anyways, uh, Superman now. Um, yes. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we got to say, Travis. It's, it's been an insane yeah. year for video games. There's been a lot of good stuff that's came out that's worth playing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. The hype is real. But, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Superman uh, issue seven. I guess we're at the point where we're rating it anyway. Yeah. Um, the art, I mean, the art is. I think the art, like, every time the artist changes, it gets a little bit worse, <laughs> like, throughout the <laughs> issue. Yeah. <laughs> 
that said, I still mostly liked what I read and what I saw. And even I didn't get that annoyed at the Zardians because I'm sure, you know, I just it's again, it's the the Williamson. Sometimes he doesn't know when too much is enough, you know? Mm. It's like, you know what's, what's worse than one Zarnian? Three Zarnians. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, brother, enough. Come on, bro. It's like the Speed Force is a good. Uh, oh, so, don't but, remind me. Yeah. You know, you know what's worse than one the than the Stealth Force? If we added a Sage and a Strength Force, and then we'll never talk about them again. <laughs> uh, Do you know what? Well, if you'd asked me before there, like, what, uh, was, what were they all called? I'd have been like... Uh, Still force, strength force, and I would never have got sage. Yeah. I would yeah. never have thought of it. Pete, this is what happens when you're blessed with my continuity brain, is you remember stuff you'd rather not. Oh, well. Uh, All right, yeah. what are you rating Superman 7, man? I'm going to give this an 8.5. I, I'm going to be a little generous and give it an 8. And I say that because I do think the weird like drop-off in the end did kind of really annoy me. But I really like the Perry speech at the start about Superman inspiring him, and that's why he wants to do more and become mayor. I like the fight. I like all the stuff with chains. Um, and I can see the potential with Lena stuff, even if it did feel a bit weird after the reveal of the mum also being alive. So, 8 out of 10 overall. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, the, the Brainiac stuff did not excite me that much. I'll say that. So, hopefully it's good in the end, though. Hopefully it's good in the end. Mm-hmm. All right, Nightwing one hundred and seven legacy number two nine four. So we'll see if hey, they we'll see like if they now. celebrate three hundred or yeah. if they're they're not. There, there is a little bit of wiggle room here because there's a four issue miniseries before the ongoing started. So mm-hmm. depending if they count that, it might shift it by four issues. But that's not much. It's not far off. It, right. it is off. Uh, but anyway, Tom Taylor writing, of course, Stephen Byrne on the art. So we got uh, Pirate Nightwing. Uh, yep. This issue. Uh, and once again, we start with a flashback to the time of Rick Grayson, which uh, he's playing with fire, that Tom. He's playing with I fire. I don't hate it, though, because the way that Taylor's doing it is he's treating it as like this lost era. And so I can feel like I didn't have to experience this lost era to feel, you know, like, oh, he had this kind of relationship with the bartender, you know, uh, and, and that's all we need to know from it. We don't need to talk about the rest of it. Although, it, as I was reading these first few pages, and it's basically just uh, Rick talking to uh, B about mm-hmm. the the box and not wanting to open it because it's not really for him it's for dick racing and i'm rick you know stuff uh the, uh, with every bubble he got to speak i just thought he was more and more dull <laughs> like this yep. is such a dull guy rick racing is dull as shit. rick racing sucked uh, um, and uh, feel- that, uh, is this where he talks about schrodinger's cat too where he's like uh, yes yes uh, uh she's like wolf was something living inside if there's a cat in there it's dead yeah, <laughs> like, man, you suck, dude. I love, I love Dick Grayson, Rick. Yes. And I feel like Taylor's intentionally making him suck because, mm-hmm. it's like, no, no, see, like this is this was bad. Now we have proper Dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, obviously we had the cliffhanger where he's on the boat with uh, uh, B, who's calling herself Captain Blood. Uh, turns out yep. the 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 guy that died was also a Captain Blood. That was her adoptive father. So she's now taking the reins. And something that comes up a bit later in the issue is that a lot of the crew will challenge that because because she's adopted, they don't see her as a rightful mm-hmm. heir to the the, the ship. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, you know, that's something they're going to have to deal with. Uh, a lot of this, though, and probably my favorite part of this um, is the idea that Barbara's listening to everything that's being said. And I really appreciated that because it would be so easy to have Barbara get jealous because Dick's yep. technically hanging it with an ex. 
but she never does. It, you know, it's handled very deftly. It's, it, you know, she, she's supportive. She's concerned for him. She's worried about where this is going. Um, she even cracks a joke when he puts on the outfit and she's like, yeah, bring that back with you. I want yeah. pirate dick. So the thing that I love about this is that I don't know if maybe it's just the generation of the heroes because we've grown with them for so much, right? Mm-hmm. But Babs and Dick feel like an actual proper relationship in the way that Wally and Linda do. Like they feel like mm. a real married couple with kids, you know, and Adams has done a really good job at that. And all the other writers that have come before have really done a good job with Wally and Linda. And so I feel the same here, at least with Taylor, that they feel secure in their relationship and I just buy it. You know, like I didn't expect her to get jealous. You know, I expected her to have her little quips about things, you know, uh, and it's just, it's, it's one of those uh, relationships in comics that, that just feels real and we don't get too many of those anymore yeah the big thing in the, the issue though is that dick actually freezes like so someone goes overboard mm-hmm. and he goes to jump in to save them and he gets to the railing and he just freezes and he can't move yeah. uh so that's a big thing we're going to be dealing with going forward in this arc yeah. presumably is what's giving him uh the jitters basically yeah uh, like what was what's causing this yeah. So, very curious. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of Rick coming back. It's like Rick, yeah. Rick being a, you know, a dweeb, effectively. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's probably more than that. Uh, but towards the end of the issue, uh, B insists, because she's like, hey, uh, you're the only one seeing me through those eyes. And he's like, nope, I'm going to be honest. Someone else is, is watching through my visor. And she's like, look, this has to be confidential. No one can know where we're going. Uh, and Dick actually says no, uh, initially. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. It says no, whatever it, uh, yeah. Anyway, but he agrees. He disagrees because he knows, like, this is his tracker, right? Yeah. And, but in order to gain her trust more, he goes along with it. So he takes off his his mask and, although B throws it in the water, I was like, yeah, I'd have to ruin it. (laughs) Put it in a a box somewhere. It it is more symbolic that he's throwing that away. Um, the, the idea too, where she says, why are you dressed like that? And he goes, that's what was in there. She goes, or that's all that was in the dresser. She goes, yeah, there was also a, a cabinet. You could have looked in there for real clothes. That was very funny. Yeah. Like he just accepted the pirate clothes first, first chance he got. Um, yeah, that's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, her throwing the Damascus away is actually the end of the issue. It's, it's oh. basically, this issue, it's kind of interesting because none of us like his time as Rick Grayson. And, the narration at the end of this is basically Dick saying, look, this was Rick's girlfriend, not really mine, but I feel like I have to sort of, like, you know, do this for her and be the good mm-hmm. guy. And, and cause you know, I mean, we didn't read the Rick Grayson stories, but it mentions in here that he kind of deliberately dumped her at one point. Yeah. Uh, and he wants to kind of, you know, make good on that. So, and he also wants his box, which, uh, yeah, you know, whatever's in there, whatever's in there. So, cause yeah, whatever was in there too, the quartermaster felt the need to keep it safe by moving the whole thing. Right. Yeah. From, the, from Zuko and heartless. The, uh, the thing I was getting at though, is that what's interesting about this is that it's kind of this burden from this time of Rick racing, which he doesn't really, he's not enjoying having to do this, but he kind of sees it as this burden that he has to put up yeah. with. And I think it's kind of interesting that I think we, the audience, feel the same way we would rather probably not just deal with any of these rick grayson stuff but they're given as T- taylor's created this compelling mystery of what was in this mm-hmm. box during this time as rick grayson that it's like okay we have to go through and deal with some of these elements from his past that we don't really want to deal with which but we have to it's like the burden in the same way it's a burden for the character and i think that's a you know 
But for the character, it's more the burden of this relationship and this woman that yeah. obviously feelings he hurt and all that. Oh. But and it's a it's a period that he probably wants to forget, which I mean amnesia and whatnot. But like, it's something that Dick probably doesn't want to have to deal with. Like just that whole era of him getting shot <clears throat> and you know not having any contact with the Bat family and it's this this era. But you know this is making him having to face that like it did happen. You know it's this trauma that he has to face um, and not just ignore. So it, it works on all those levels. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, I think to wrap up here, I would say that it, this is probably my least favorite like story in the book since the start of the run, which is not to say it's bad. Like for everything I've said, like there's a lot mm -hmm. of thought went into this, and I understand what it's doing, and I enjoy the the Babs and Dick stuff, and the fact that like they're not going to be in communication for the next issue or whatever is is going to be mm -hmm. a big deal. I appreciate all the things that it's doing. But fundamentally, Dick going on a pirate adventure was never going to appeal to me as much as the regular stuff that goes on in the in the run. So this was probably yeah. always going to be a, a weaker part for me overall. But it's still mm -hmm. a solid issue at what it's doing. Yeah, well, and Taylor's done a good job for me at, at making like the crew untrustworthy, right? So not only the the reason that Dick froze is that a guy got thrown into the water, one of the other crew members. Right, someone, someone uh, bumped yeah, in, there's a, into there. Well, yeah, we never even explained. So, they're getting after B's brother. Br brother, who's who's a natural brother, or sorry, a right. natural son to the son. the previous captain. So, some of the crew are loyal to him. So, the, yeah. the, so one they've got a mole or more than one mole, perhaps for for the brother, and their brother is also a piece of shit. He's a criminal right. who deserves and to be locked up. And they're they're going after him to yeah because Dabs him. looks him up and says you know human trafficking you know drug smuggling all this other bad stuff right so he's a bad bad dude but it definitely Taylor making us also you know Dick's got to watch his back B has to watch her back so they're basically gonna have to depend on one another as they go through this adventure uh, and and I like that and also her being Captain Blood and the whole idea of Bloodhaven and that's how the the city got its name right because we knew it was a port town. You know, uh, with, with all of that stuff, and that they're the, you know, they're the original reason for the name is that it was like this this haven for pirates, which goes in with the history of that uh, of that city very very well. So I like that Taylor's there's, there's playing with that the as mythology well. of Blue Haven a little mm -hmm. bit, which is which is nice. Yep. Yeah, and the idea that yeah she maybe can't trust any of your crew right now because she doesn't know who's on her side and who's mm -hmm. on her brother's side. Like, that's all fine, and she says the only way to dissuade them is to actually put them properly locked up behind bars, so that's what the goal is. The goal is to find him, uh, and in return, she'll take him to where the ship is now with the box, mm -hmm. and he'll get the box. That's the, the idea going forward. It's all it's all solid stuff. Uh, I just don't like the overall gist of it as much as the regular stuff we're doing in the city with Heartless and all the other things that Nightwing's been doing. Mm -hmm. uh, so, for, for me, like, you know, I'll be rating it a little lower than I normally do, but not by much. Uh, what, are you, what are you giving it, Matt? I'm giving it as an eight. I thought it was really, I, I liked it a lot, the, especially the art, a lot of the coloring and all that stuff too. Really, really nice. But the story itself, um, not that I dislike it as much as you do, but yeah, compared to like Heartless and you know all, all of the the kids in the city, I, I prefer that. So him going off yeah. on a ship, it's I not, don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm only I'm giving it a seven point five. It's not like super harsh. It's just. Like, it's just never going to appeal to me quite as much as the uh, other stuff. And part of that is also just having to put up with Rick Grayson scenes. Even though I think he's using them <laughs> kind of yeah. well, I also just don't want to see Rick Grayson ever. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, but I appreciate what, what he's going for, and uh, I still think it's a pretty solid issue. So, 
that is Nightwing. Catwoman, issue 58. Teeny Howard writing, Nico Leon on the art. Uh, Matt didn't quite finish this. Uh, nope. he, was, he was rushing it in and didn't quite get, get it all done. Uh, I did read it, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I've, I've been gone the last couple to talk about. I do like the reveal that Marquise is Scandal Savage. It's a character I have a lot of um, uh, affection for. From what? I did not enjoy that reveal. Thank you, Matt. Uh, so, no, I like that just because the idea that she's around means that we're a little bit closer to maybe getting a Sinister Six book. Okay. Right? Well, Sinister I, Six. I just, Secret Six. Like, uh, this... The entire concept of this book just being jettisoned aside because now Vandal Savage has secretly built his own League of Assassins mm-hmm. is just... I, I like whatever. And Scandal Savage is such a stupid name. It's always been a stupid <laughs> name. Okay? Yeah. I, I don't know about that. I do like the character just because she she's her her father's daughter, but in just a different way, right? And that was the whole Secret Six, her learning about love and to trust other people, something that her dad didn't do. However, the idea of him assembling these things this is as far about as far as I got. Uh, him assembling these different things that have the meteorite fragment in it, and it's going to be able to give people immortality. I'm like, wait, so this is where this Batman Catwoman book is going? Yeah, so it's, it, the con- the whole concept of the Gotham War seems <sighs> to be like completely. It's it's almost it's, yeah, it's, it's like it's not forgotten because Batman and Catwoman are still talking because yeah. they've barely realized that Vandal Savage and what he's mm-hmm. up to yet. Uh, well, I mean, Catwoman kind of knows by the end of this issue, but mm-hmm. it, it just kind of feels like oh, we're just doing a Vandal Savage story now. This isn't the whole idea of them yeah. fighting each other because they've got these opposing views of what to do in Gotham, which on paper could be a great story was not that good and how it was executed yeah. and now it's just been completely left by the side because we've got other things to yeah. do now. We've got a villain to deal with. So, yeah, th- this has just been painfully generic, ultimately, uh, which is mm-hmm. a shame. There's, like, a kind of a sweet moment with Batman and Catwoman at the start where he's kind of, like, vulnerable and sort of cries in her arms but then sort yeah. of toughens up again, and that's okay. I want her to just pet his head and stop being a dumb, dumb boy. You know what I mean? Like, just... You're the reason that we're fighting, bro. Like, just stop. Yeah, but obviously everyone acting so out of character and what Bruce did to Jason is so monstrous. And I know it's meant to be like Zoranar's like kind of influencing him. Yeah, but... And he doesn't realize it, but it just, it feels... I, I don't like any of it. No. There's a weird moment here actually at the end of this rooftop scene where there's explosions across the city in the background before the rooftop they're on explodes. Well, I thought the visual was cool. I thought it was a bit weird that neither of them seemed to notice that there's these other explosions before. <laughs> like, because when their building explodes and they fall, obviously they notice that because they're like trying right, to save. But they, right. like, they're looking out in the direction of these explosions across. It's like, I don't care how far away it is. If it's yeah. visible, you're going to notice an explosion happening. <laughs> yeah, I just thought they're so wrapped up in each other's eyes. They didn't uh. notice the city exploding. And it's like, that's not as romantic as you think it is, T.D. Howard. Uh, oh, it kind of means they're bad at their jobs. Yeah. And then we think yeah. Catwoman's talking to Vandal and Scandal. Stupid yeah. name. Let's just pick something that rhymes with Vandal. Bunch of hacks. Scandal Savage. Uh, but it turns out to be Lady Clayface who's just getting intel. So uh, she gets decapitated. And I then... got worried that that was Selena and we're going to use the immortality thing to bring <laughs> her back. No, I was expecting uh, an instant you yeah. know, you know, reveal of something. Right. So what's funny is I wanted to complain about the art here, actually. Because mm-hmm. obviously... Nico's actually a very good artist, right? One of the best things about this book is the art is pretty solid. 
But there is something here I wanted to critique. And in a weird way, the fact that it turns out to be Lady Clayface could technically absolve it, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's meant to be Lady Clayface using their powers. I think it is just dodgy art. <laughs> and that okay. is... So, right before the decapitation, there's a, a page where the middle panel is, like, Vandal's got his sword, and then Catwoman's sort of in a, re- like, fighting pose, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at Catwoman's legs... The way she's got her legs stretched out in this, like, sort of karate pose, right? But her high-platform, high-heeled shoe is still flat on the ground is physically impossible. Like, she would have to angle that back onto the heel. And it makes it look like her ankle is doing some weird, like, like bend that is just physically impossible. Um, Technically, because it's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're absolutely correct. Now, I know it's Lady, Lady Clayface technically could pull this pose off, but I don't think it's meant to be doing that. I think it's just bad art. <laughs> well, I'm, sure. that. <laughs> I'm starting to think how that would work, because the, the way the ankle is up on the point, right, when you wear yeah. heels like that. If anything, it looks like she's taking her foot out of the shoe, and it's just kind of yeah. in her, in her like, sl- like, leg sleeve. In the cuff of it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it looks weird. Yeah, this is it's a dodgy proportion in one panel. This is this is not mm-hmm. me shitting on the artist as a whole. Like I think the art's pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it turns out Billy Clayface, who obviously is going to go and tell. Uh, so there was a tease in one of the issues before that a bunch of the villains were meeting each other uh, mm-hmm. at a meeting. Vandal goes to this meeting. Turns out Firefly is the one who blew up some of the buildings, and Vandal's like, "Hey, you all can be my lieutenants, and I'll give you immortality." Blah 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 blah. But then at the end of it, he sort of says to himself, oh, they think they're my generals, but they're not. Like, I don't think he's going to give immortality out to anyone. This is all for himself, and we all know it. So that's that. Uh, Jason, who's all scared right now because of the stuff that Batman gave him, he still tries to be a hero because there's a girl trapped in one of the the Mm -hmm. burning buildings from the fires. Uh, And the scene kind of ends with him just picking up the girl and saying that he's scared too, which... I actually thought it was a good little moment because it kind of felt like he was just sort of getting himself through it. But then when we come back to this in a couple of minutes with uh, the other characters finding him, it turns out he got so scared that he's just trapped in there with her now <laughs> and he has to be rescued by Catwoman or someone later. What was that? Was that a train? That's a, is that a dog? Well, Matt's got ghosts in his house, apparently. <laughs> a ghost and a werewolf, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> good lord uh, the, the dog was at the groomers apparently they're having a, they're having they're having a, a it's day. a whole thing it's fine I think we're okay now if we're here again yeah. my dog's upstairs now with me um, we'll, we'll see but yeah that gave me quite a quite a fright it was a weird noise a, a typical, it, it, it that's not typical because she'll she'll you know she has a high pitched howl that we can get her going with and we call it her singing um, that's not what that was so Hey, get over here. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, back to Catwoman. Yeah, it's, uh, Catwoman. Uh, Jason. Jason's scared. Jason's scared, uh, he yeah. He had to get saved, yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a scene before that where Catwoman steals the dagger uh, that uh, Vandal's after that's got some of the meteor mm-hmm. on it. Uh, she ends up fighting Scandal a bit on a rooftop as Scandal's like, no, this is good for us. And Catwoman's like, no, I trained all these people to be self-sufficient, not be lackeys to get immortality from your dad. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, she goes to Bruce, and they talk about Jason, and they go looking for him, uh, and they find him in the fiery building. Uh, the art here is quite good in the fiery building, to be fair, at least. Uh, 
mm-hmm. um, and they save him. And Selena points out that yeah, you took away his ability to do anything, but you still raised him to be a, like a hero. He's still going to see people in trouble and want to help them, and that's why he's put himself in danger here. So you see how you've messed them up, kind uh... of thing. And like again, like separately from the the plot of this book, right? Separately from the whole Gotham War stuff, if you want to tell me a mm-hmm. story where Zurinar forces Batman to do something this horrific to Jason. The idea that his relationship with Catwoman is what brings him back from the brink where Catwoman's able to get through to him because they love each other. I actually think mm-hmm. that sounds like a fine idea on paper. Uh, it's just all these things kind of smashed together. I feel like none of them are being executed in a way that is satisfying to me. Uh, anywho, so yeah, the issue ends with uh, all those villains that Vandal was trying to get to work for him they all show up as a team at the end. So we got Two-Face, we got Professor Pig, we got Mad Hatter, we got Scarface, who's dressed as Batman and Robin with his ventriloquist. Uh, we got Firefly. I kind of hate this at the end right now. Um, sure. Yeah, just because now that means they know that Batman's Bruce Wayne? Or did Vandal just give them all of this Batman stuff? Like... I don't, th- yeah, I don't think they know where he got it from. Because earlier on he said, hey, I've yeah. recently come into a collection of some of the best tech in Gotham. And he's given them all various Batman things. Uh, who is that wearing, is that that's Black Mask wearing the Batman, like, yeah. armor, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got the chest yeah, plate Yeah, Black Mask, Pig, uh, Hatter, Ventriloquist, and Scarface. Although it would have been funnier if uh, Ventriloquist was Batman mm-hmm. and and... Or if, the, if Scarface is Batman. And I was going to say, is Vitruc- yeah, Vitruckus is Batman. Yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other way around. But then, yeah, I ha- always hate when they give us Killer Moth and Firefly. They're a pair. Uh, are they always a pair? Well, not always, but I feel like yeah. a lot of stories pair them together because they're similar. Yeah. That you just say, ah, yeah. they're fine, they're together. And, and all the stuff with, with Two-Face, too, just kind of undoes all the things that we did in Detective with him about, you That's know, the- learning... Uh- that's just one of those things where they're not syncing yeah. up together. You just have to take yeah. them separately. No, I know. I just I don't like seeing them there. That's all. Because I, I buy all these other Jamokes. I mean, the Scarface but... like outfit thing, I think that's just down to it's more realistic that the Robin yeah. outfit fits him. And True. then the Batman cowl. And it's the old 60s Batman cowl that mm-hmm. uh, fits yeah. uh, the ventriloquist, uh, ventriloquist, if I can speak properly. Um, yes. I'm a little concerned it says to be continued in Red Hood 2. I just, I'm hoping that's not correct and it is just the final yeah. one shot because that's all I'm going to read. I'm not reading the Red Hood book. You know, so I, I tried to read that one and it just, it wasn't. Well, it was, uh, oh, Connor yeah. was forced to for Patriots, so someone, someone <laughs> talked about it. You guys, that's why I don't do this. Because <laughs> you guys can't be trusted. Um, yeah, so no, in, in that one, did he talk about it here already? Yeah, he talked about it uh, yeah. last It's just basically a flashback on how Jason ended up working with her. So if they make it the next part, it doesn't go with the rest of... That'll be annoying yeah. if it's the next part. Yeah. But I could yeah. see it being the next part because I could see it being the aftermath of this where he was found yeah. scared, annoyingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Karen will just have to tell us about it next time he's on, which admittedly yeah. may be after the whole event's done. It may be too late, but... Yes. Tough tits. He has to talk about it anyway. So, yeah mixed bag it's it's kind of just like the next part of the event and i think there's some f- good concepts in the event and i've been saying that since the very start of it but they don't really mesh together and i wish the execution was better on all mm-hmm. of them uh and separately in different stories probably as well at that so uh yeah i don't know i mean the, the art is mostly fine uh even good really good in some 
cutscenes depending mm-hmm. on what's going on. The fire stuff looks great. But then there's also that dodgy body of Catwoman in that one page that really made me laugh. So, yeah. You know, uh, what are you rating, Batman? Or sorry. Yeah, well, you, you never finished it. I suppose you No, can. I never finished yeah, it. So yeah. I was like, don't let me do that. Okay. Yeah. I'll just give it like a. Like a 5.5, I think, for me. I think it's it's just sort of in the average kind of range, uh, I would say. You know, it's not, it's not horrendously bad by any means, but uh, I'll, I'll be glad that when we're back to just having to read Batman and not another book that ties into it. <laughs> True. I'll be happy for that. Thank you very much. So, there you go. Uh, that'll take us on to Green Lantern War Journal issue to Philip Kennedy Johnson writing with Mantos on the art. So, uh, loved issue one of this. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, really liked it. Uh, was excited for issue two. And I think this was a great follow-up. It take, took the story forward. Um, took forward both the, the horror villain side of things with the, the spread of the, the the demons or the, the zombies, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, the uh, Revenant dead. The Revenant dead. dead. Thank you. With the Revenant queen. That's, I, I'm always going to get those confused because I was calling her the Radiant Queen, talking about this with someone at the shop. So, Is it the Radiant, yes. so it's the Radiant dead and the Revenant queen. Yes. Okay. Got it. Right. So it's actually that Green Lantern that John like beat back last issue, yep. who goes looking for this crashed, you know, space station, mm-hmm. and and they're just he's a he's a total chump. He's talking about how much he's better, how much he hates John Sure, how much he's going to make mm-hmm. make him look bad. Uh, he, like it, it does it does that classic horror story thing of making someone a total asshole yep. so that you enjoy when they're the victim of the monster it's, in a minute. Yep. It's a Friday the 13th thing, right? Where the big yeah, dumb jock yeah, yeah. is a big dumb jock. You're like, oh, I can't wait for a, an axe to be introduced to him. You know? Absolutely. Uh, and, and here we go. So they investigate the crash ship and the Revenant Queen infects mm-hmm. these three Green Lanterns uh, and turns them into the undead. So that's your big tease at the start. And then we go to the John Stewart stuff. And I'm loving how much the John Stewart stuff in this book so far has been very personal. It's been very much mm-hmm. the, you know, him looking after his mother. And in this issue, he brings his mother to his job interview, which is not a normal thing to do, but he does it because yeah. it's a, an impressive place to go. It still works. He's a, still works. He's been called in by Steel. And Jay Nakamura, who's apparently working at Steelworks uh, just I, now as well. I love the sense of continuity this has across DC. Just the fact that... Steelworks is a thing. It's a place to go to work, right? Do you know, do you know what I like about it, Matt? Is I, uh-huh. I think Steelworks doesn't surprise me because mm-hmm. Johnson's been doing action and Steelworks has right. been in that. The fact mm-hmm. that Jay's actually was actually from Taylor's Superman book yep. and he's still including him, that, I think that feels really good. That feels nice. And the fact that he feels like even though he's a right, he's kind of a lowest type where he was working at the Truth and this other. However, now that that part of his story is done, it makes sense he would go work for for uh john uh henry irons i almost said stewart there but no uh they're both named john that's that's kind of annoying a little bit here but yeah he goes to work for steel uh there and he's just he's just there they don't make a big deal about it you know but it's just nice that he yeah, it's just... yeah he's just he's in there and it, it gives a it, it makes john stewart feel like he is part of the dc universe yeah, you know, he's not off on his own for because for the last couple of years i felt like john was in deep space doing his you know yeah, yeah that type of stuff yeah so, so uh, this issue is like it's uh still showing them around and it gives them an example of this like fancy new train they're working on that will mm-hmm. be efficient and you know john immediately jumps in and sort of makes some suggestions to make it more efficient and it's like hey see this is why you should work here and yep. he's basically offered the job 
And it's on the way home, on the train going outside of Metropolis, which, by the way, I think from an art perspective, this is my favorite page of the whole book. Mm-hmm. Because between the, the, the first panel, which is the train with the city in the background, and you can see the Daily Planet building and the Supercart building, and then, like, on the train... There's this the great panel at the bottom where it's like from outside the window looking in at John and his mum, but it's the reflection of the city as they're saying how much the like because mm-hmm. she used to live in Metropolis before Superman and it wasn't that nice, but now it's much yeah. better. Um, it's like a really dreamlike panel because of the perspective, and I just think it looks really good. I think that whole page just really yeah. paints this great picture. Well, and I like the idea too of the idea that she was big in the civil rights movement because because mm. Steele mentions that. Uh, and so, you know, it kind of, of course, this is who John Stewart was going to become because look who his mom was. So it plays with that sense of legacy, which, but not in the, in the superhero way. Which makes it right? more sad as well that she's like forgetting things. Yes. You know, it's like, yes. you know, it's like, hey, she was this great person who did all these mm-hmm. things and now she's struggling and yep. not, doesn't realize she's struggling even. Uh, so it adds a bit more sting to that as well. I just, I don't know, I was getting such like a mm-hmm. Tomorrowland vibe as they were leaving the city. It just felt yeah. so futuristic. You know, it felt like the city of tomorrow in a way that, yeah. I, you know, they always say that, but I wouldn't say they are actually makes me feel like that usually. But no, that's the, and just, you got the, with the, when the train's pulling away, right? And you got the Supercorp building with the Daily Planet too. Like, it just gives it this sense of like a concrete and, and glass jungle kind of vibe, you know? Yeah. So... But not in a gloomy way, like, you know, Gotham is this, like, you know... No. You know, urban hellhole. Uh, mm-hmm. But they, they talk about uh, taking the job, and John's like, hey, I'll take the job if, you, if you're cool with moving to Metropolis. And she's like, no, I don't need to hold you back. I don't need to move, but you can just come here on your own. Um, and they're kind of, you know, she's like, no, you're going to go do this because this is a good, bright future for you. They want you. You're going to do great mm-hmm. things here. Um, and he's like, I'm not coming here if you're not coming with me. And they, they don't get to finish their argument because the train's attacked of course, mm-hmm. uh, by these three green lanterns are now the... Uh... Radiant dead. Thank you. I was going to say Radiant yes. dead. Radiant yep. dead. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you know, but now that they've been possessed properly, they're like, hey, no, 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 like, our, we serve our, our mistress and she's like the, the all-being, she's made us more powerful and all that. And does mention, you know, or there's at least like an implication in some of the dialogue that is kind of hinting to the fact that this is a threat from another Earth with another John Stewart. Mm-hmm. And all the rest of it, um, it seems like maybe she wants John's power as well as like taking him out of the picture so he can't stop her, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, but no, this is all fun stuff where he's trying to protect the people on this train. So it feels like a big action scene that has a lot of context because we know why they're on the train. And, mm-hmm. uh, because the mum's there, it feels like there's like a, a civilian that we care about who's in harm's way. It's, you know, it's one thing to have a group of just random people who are innocent. It's another thing to have someone who's vulnerable who we know and now care about. So the mum being there adds a lot of weight to the the stakes of the scene. So you know John's John's fighting these guys. They've got like these purple light tentacles that come out. It's kind of their their power now. And uh, the, the big ending of this is that the main Green Lantern here stabs John with a blade, and then says, "That's it. You've been infected. You're going to become one of us now." So mm-hmm. that's the cliffhanger that it ends on. Obviously, I suspect that John's somehow going to fight this off. Yeah. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Evil Dead style, he's going to cut his arm off. And he's going to have a <laughs> construct arm. And it might be a chainsaw, might not. I don't know. I feel we'll like he's going to do a U-turn, go back to Steelworks and say, have you got like a medical <laughs> lab me. somewhere? Yeah. Fix me, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, let, let us have our, you know, uh, John Stewart Ash moment. You know, I think... <laughs> it, 
In a space zombie story, I think we've earned it. I think this book yeah. is doing such a great job of having fun with the horror of the enemy, of the villain, right? And this mm-hmm. idea of the Radiant Dead and the villain from the universe. But even more so, I think it's done a great job of humanizing John and this whole thing with his mom and getting a job where he's using his, yeah. his you know, his education and his like natural skills as opposed to his yeah. Green Lantern gifts. I think it's done a great job of making him a very relatable character who you want to root for. And I, I think this is something that John Stewart's probably been missing for a long time because he's been, you know, yeah. stuck in these Space Wars books for a long time. And yeah, kind of is like of he's been a lead, but he only can be defined by the story that they're telling. He, there hasn't been time to really get to know John outside of the Zanshi thing, which I'm glad we're not. We're not. I'm sure it'll pop up, right? I'm sure yeah. him having to look death but, in the face, he's going to have to. But it's not his sole defining quality. I feel right? like they're developing his character, and you know, mm-hmm. whatever outcome happens with his mom, I can see his mom yep. dying by the end of this mm-hmm. run, and that's going to hit hard. And I think them yep. doing all this to build up more mythology around them that's not just that one thing they always mention is a great yep. idea. Yeah. Uh, and- and I want to know if Philip Kenny Johnson's okay because he's very good at making monsters, right? <laughs> between between the Radiant Dead and the Unmade, we, we got some ghastly creatures coming out of this guy's brain. So you know, I just want to want to make sure he's okay. That's all. Yeah, no, uh, love it. And uh, the art is phenomenal. I mentioned that one page with the train leaving the mm-hmm. city, but I think Montos, who I never really knew before the first issue. Mm-hmm. is so great at the character expressions between the loving looks between him and his mother yeah the friendly pride between him and steel and then at the end this shock look in his face as he's sort of like considering what this you know evil green lantern is telling him that he's mm-hmm. going to um you know he's, he's going to turn into some kind of zombie or something yep. you know he doesn't have the context yet but he's starting to learn and you know he's looking at the the stab wood to be like oh yeah something weird's happening here so yes uh all very good stuff um yeah you're talking about the um, the expressions, and the one that gets me is when they're on the train, and she caresses his face, the mom, and says, mm. my beautiful boy, and he just has this big, goofy smile, right? But it, it hits because of the context of the scene. Absolutely, you know, like yeah. he's He's with his mom. She's not having any of her episodes. She's proud of him. You know, like he's getting a winning moment. So it's, you know, the shine before the fall. Uh and yeah. Yeah, Montos's art just sells it, and and his Radiant Dead look properly scary when they first come down, right? There's the the single panel of all of them coming through, and the one that you know we'd seen his face before, but now it's half a skull and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like one of the things they set up at the start of the issue is they remind mm-hmm. us that Sector Two Eight Four One Four is off limits, yep. and they're actually breaking the rules again, and the other two are complaining about it, and he's like, "Nah, it's fine." Yep. I'm because even when he's getting grabbed by the uh, the Revenant Queen. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm like the next in line to rule this planet. Like, he, yeah. he thinks himself as royalty. He thinks he's too important to die. So it's, like, extra enjoyable that, that he gets taken yeah. <laughs> because he's he is very unlikable yeah. intentionally. Well, and so. apparently he's a Durlin, which makes him a shapeshifter, too. So it's even insult to injury mm. that she was able to take him out just, you know, without him being able to do what he does. Um, but, yeah, I think that also goes with the long history of Durlins being jerks. So... Yeah, you know, changeling is uh, the one good one. And just the other thing yeah. in the art as well. I mean, we talked about the, obviously the actual line work of the faces and stuff and how expressive it is. But mm-hmm. I'm just looking at the last page and just the choice of panels here is very yeah. effective and interesting. You've mm-hmm. got like a close up panel where the blades popping out of the the panel, and the the bigger panel that that's in, which is the stab itself, and then the bottom of the page is when John's realizing that something's not quite right. 
he's mm-hmm. actually completely outside the panel that's drawn for him. Like, you know, there's like a box like behind him that he's completely mm-hmm. out of on every front. It's not like, because usually, usually they'll stick out the panel and what, like the, the panel at the top of the blade, it's only yeah. the tip of the blade that's coming out of the panel. Like the other sides of the box are still containing the image. At the bottom, he's just standing in front of the, the panel. It's almost like he's outside his comfort zone. He's outside his box, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just adding to that effect. Right. Like it's really, it's really it smart. Also, it's also, it's the same color as the Radiant Dead coloring, right? And it's almost like it's mm, oppressing the, him, right? Yeah, the purple, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so all very, very good stuff. Like this, yeah. you know, who, who would have thought Philip Kennedy Johnson on, on Green Lantern would be a match? Especially John Stewart. You know, and it's a very grounded I mean, story. I, after War World Saga, I think we all did. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was saying that mostly with sarcasm. Yeah, right? yeah, sure, yeah. Okay. But yeah, no, just this book that you know, it's, it's John Stewart who, you know, he, yeah, he is, he is a very important Green Lantern, but they haven't treated him like that for a while. We were talking about that earlier, and this is just it's giving him that importance uh, that that's been missing, and uh, yeah, and I'm I'm still trying to figure out why 2814 is quarantined. So I'm hoping, I know he had said, um, when uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson had said, this is going to be the next chapter in his DC story, right? When he's done with action in, in January. Um, so I'm wondering if he's going to get back to the United Planet stuff and, and why it's quarantined. And I suspect, you know, if anything, I think it may be a corruption thing. It might be like a, mm-hmm. someone with a political motivations yep. uh putting that into place because yeah because in the tweet that he had announced this stuff he had said you know these little things that had happened at the end of war world he is getting back to he has not forgotten about him in dc is you know gonna let him address them but it's all in due time so you know i'm wondering if this is part of that right part of the whole corruption of the united planets and the whole war world fallout with mongol and stuff so uh but this is a very worthy follow-up to his war world stuff yeah uh, honestly like I'm enjoying the Green Lantern book, but like this might be giving it a run for its money as to which one's the better Lantern book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you I know. believe we have we're gonna have like three Flash books coming up, two good Green Lantern books, possibly three because Alan Scott book's coming. I don't yeah, know if three. Be, That's right. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be good, but if it is, right. then yeah, you know. we have those Flash books. We got Green Lantern. We have you know two decent Superman books. We got Batman. Detective is killing it, anyways. You know, uh, yeah, Taylor. Batman, Batman gets a lot of good minis though, because that Penguin yeah. mini's great. The yeah. City of Madness True. is great. Like, you know, yeah. like, even if the main Batman's not doing it, there's usually a lot of other good options yeah. for Batman. <laughs> true, 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 true. So, anyway, what are you mm-hmm. rating Green Lantern War Journal issue two? I'm giving this a nine point five. Whoa! Yes, uh, sir. I don't know if I'm going that. I think I'm going to go straight nine, but it's excellent. Like, I really like this. And I left it to last because I, I thought, you know what, I, th- I, I have faith in <laughs> Main this. Main event. So I, I read it, I left it to last. I started with Nightwing and ended with War Journal. That was my mm-hmm. my, my uh, path. But anyway, that is uh, that is the book. Very good. Um, so, Batman Superman World's Finest, issue 19, mm-hmm. Mark Wade writing. Dan Mora back on the art for this issue. Happy to see Uh, as always and this of course is the one that's tying into Kingdom Come we start off with the Flash Barry Allen talking about multiverses and running around we we get like a glimpse of a bunch of them we see you know Red Sun and we see Martha Joker from Flashpoint and whatever else I do like looking through all of those. I did waste a lot of time. I'm sure you did. At, at looking at, like, you get the, the Batman or the Robin and Batgirl thrill killer are in there. Sure, sure, yeah. You know, yeah, uh, spent Darn a lot of time going through those. Yeah, Darn Returns is there, I think, as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's basically just him explaining this, and he's he's looking for um, David, the you know the Thunder Boy, Boy Thunder, Boy Thunder, yeah. that was it. Um, and he says, you know, he's like, oh shit, I found him. Okay, so we see Superman, Batman, and Robin fighting uh, Wonder Woman's villains, as they point out. And Flash just swoops in, puts them in a jail cell, and says, "We ain't got time for this. Like this is important. I found David, uh, mm-hmm. but he's in a weird world, right? So I'm going to try and send you there with the cosmic treadmill." Uh, interesting thing here. I wonder how you feel about this. Is they do like a two-page kind of flashback, just recapping mm-hmm. David's story. Um, I think because it's been a little while since we had those issues, I actually thought this was just a, the right amount of time to spend saying, yeah. "Hey, here's what happened." But yeah. this is the sort of thing that I could see Connor complain about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not with me. You got to remember, I love continuity, right? Oh, sure, like, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a problem. So being reminded in, in this way, it wasn't nice because I read so many comics, right? And yeah. I have so much stuff going on through here, right? Again, I wasted it, way too much time it, looking at all these different multiverses. So being reminded of Boy Thunder and the stuff that he went through and how we lost him to the time stream... Oh, that, I, that I was a lie. nice little reminder. I tell a lie. It was only one page. I thought it was two pages. It was only one page. Oh, well, uh, even better. Uh, I believed you. So what does that say about me? <laughs> yeah. um yeah I, it's a sort of thing where if this was the last arc i'd be this is absurd but because it's mm-hmm. a couple of arcs ago i'm like you know what i actually yeah. appreciate this was like a year ago in reading probably yeah when we were doing this so i'm pleased for this so yeah to get them on this cosmic treadmill flash sends them off to first it's the future it's like post kingdom come where mm-hmm. uh, the bruce and superman are are burying some of the other heroes and uh, there's this great two-page spread as they realize that this is a cemetery just for superheroes. And you can sit and read all the tombstones here if you want with all the names. There's too many too many people. Yeah. That's uh, all of them, right? Yeah. So, Although yeah. I did laugh at one that just says Green Lantern. I'm like, hold on, which one? Which there's, one? There's a lot yeah. of Green Lanterns. Even the Kingdom Come universe, I suspect it, there's more than it, one. It should have said Green Lantern Core. And it's yeah. just all of them. Uh, so yeah, like that was a big deal. Red Robin's there. Bruce notices that. And he's like, wait, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Who's Red Robin exactly? He probably thinks it's Tim because, you know, main continuity, that is Tim. As opposed to mm-hmm. Kingdom Come, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was Dick in Kingdom Come. Mm-hmm. It was. But, uh, yeah. But then they sort of, like, stabilize, uh, like they said they would, and they end up much earlier in the timeline, you know, before Kingdom Come happens. So it's that Earth, but it's much before. And we get a lot of fun jokes here. They go to Planet Krypton, which is run by Booster Gold, and this was a fun little gag here where they're like, have you ever heard of Booster Gold? He's like, yeah, not no, not yet anyway. And it's like, oh, so Booster Gold in this part of the, because this is obviously set in the past, uh-huh. he's not shown up yet to our Batman and Superman. Yeah. But they comment on what he seems like he's like based on the fact that he runs a Planet Hollywood style restaurant based on superheroes. Yep. So that, that was all just fun stuff. Um, and they're talking about what's going to happen if they find David. Like, you can't really just adopt him it's a bit tougher because you're a single guy who lives in an apartment it was tough enough and he, it was tough enough for dick to be adopted and he was in bruce's a billionaire it, with a mansion and he goes and i'm rich like <laughs> you know the, my parents were rich you know um uh, so, don't bring up that horrible quote from <laughs> from that horrible issue um but yeah so i did like that and he goes yeah and it's still kind of a problem because you gotta you know because he's still school age you think at this and, point, we've seen him on a date with Supergirl. And social so, services are going to watch mm-hmm. you like a hawk, which is not good if you're a superhero with a secret identity, you know? It's yeah. uh, maybe tough to explain things. So Superman, like, reads some other encyclopedias and stuff and says, hey, there's something weird about this Earth. And he's like, what? This Earth seems to have never heard of the multiverse. Like, they've never interacted with another universe. 
and that's quite interesting um and then obviously we get to david who is as as grown up he is older here he's not the same age mm-hmm. and he is beating up uh who's the villain here that they're beating up uh Adam I master yeah i'm master uh and david grabs her head and basically burns her face and it's like really violent and it makes her talk but like bruce and superman are like hey that was a bit much like she was already like defeated you didn't really have to go that serious and then when david realizes that this is a superman from well not his earth but the earth that he was in briefly in the storyline he he's like happy and says i was so i'm so happy you're here i've been waiting all these years to finally do this and then the last page is he's grabbing superman by the neck and he's like firing off all of his powers there's lightning mm-hmm. and fire everywhere so he is holding a grudge it's safe to say so uh this is interesting that uh like we're kind of like setting up because i didn't think we're like obviously i knew from solicits where we're doing some kingdom come stuff but Mm -hmm. when we finished the david story i thought oh that could just be the end of it he grows up to be magog and you know the other universe no biggie but this is interesting that they're actually in that universe now which which is why i am very curious about the kingdom book because that's all about gog who gog ends up giving magog his power Mm. and stuff it's very much a timey-wimey type type of circle circle thing so the fact that that's coming out in 2024 you would think concurrently with a lot of what's going on with wade here you know it feels like wade's finally putting his stamp on things like his final stamp it's interesting yeah no i yeah it's it's a pretty fun issue i i enjoyed the build-up i enjoyed the planet krypton stuff and you know it's tough to say much yet it's mostly just them reacting to this world and noticing the differences in it which mm-hmm. are, are which are which are solid enough so far uh but very much the part one of uh at least a two-part if not you know three or four part stories so yeah well we'll we'll see where it goes uh but you know we'll we'll, we'll see why david's so upset Next well, I, I would I would think that it's that they never came to get him because it's been quite a bit of time, right? Because he was a, a well, teenager. It's time for him, not for, for Superman and Batman. It's only been it's months, nothing. probably. Right. But, yeah. but for him, I'm sure it's one of those things that he waited and waited. Now he's had to take things into his own. And maybe he was rejected by this universe's mm. Superman and Batman because they did say time is a little bit different here, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, just, yeah, just the whole idea that Magog represented comics that Wade wasn't a fan of in the 90s. That's why he looks like Cable, right? Mm-hmm. Is he's a representative of that? And there, if you you know, in the kingdom, it deals with timelines and doing timey wimey stuff. So, um, just the whole idea of of Wade working out what he didn't like. Now he's come back and turned him into you know Superman's long lost sidekick, you know, and and that adds an extra layer of tragedy to all of this because. Um, if I remember Kingdom Come right, Magog comes and kills the Joker, right? And that's how he becomes big and famous. Sounds that sounds for it's been a while since I read it. Yeah, that sounds right. So you know, just as, so because so I think Joker came to Metropolis, gas the Daily Planet, and Superman. That's what leads Superman to go up to the Arctic for all those years. But then Magog comes in and ushers this new era of heroes. So just the idea that now that this was Superman's. Um, sidekick coming in and protecting his city it adds that extra layer that I really like yeah 
So, yeah, obviously the art's great. Dan Mora mm-hmm. uh, doing his thing. Um, I don't know if there's any particular standouts for me, other than it's just generally very good. Uh, obviously the cemetery double page is quite good, but it's, it's, it's a pretty simple, you know, thing art-wise. Uh, a lot of identical tombstones, but it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a nice moment in terms of, like, a big reveal. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's good. Uh, and obviously, I think he's having a little bit of fun drawing the different versions of Superman and Batman, you know, a little yep. bit older. Because even when they go back in time to the earlier part of the timeline, the yep. Superman we see flying briefly still has a little bit of gray in his hair. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, it's, it's earlier, but it's it's still a, a different Superman for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, what were you giving a World's Finest issue 19? I'm, I'm going to give this a 7.5. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I, I think I think it's, it's solid enough, but. Yeah, they're not blowing me away either. So, mm-hmm. uh, just a, a fun, good time with nice art. All right, Titans issue four, Legacy one two eight. Tom Taylor writing with Nicholas Scott on the art. So, uh, this obviously continues everything that's going on uh, with uh, with Beast Boy uh, feeling conflicted. The encounter that he had with Garth last issue mm-hmm. has made him think about trying to actually make the world a better place. So Raven tries to console him. They end up uh, dealing with a couple of muggers, which actually led to a really funny bit for me is that apparently Maggie Sawyer is really pissed because Raven keeps teleporting criminals to the jail cell <laughs> at the police station. without but not saying why. Yeah, with no explanation. Yeah. She's like, damn, she really could put a note on them. Uh, uh-huh. They do tell the victims to go and report it so that hopefully they'll be able to put two and two together. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, once, once that happens, but uh, that's good fun. Uh, but yeah, Garth's got this whole big idea where he wants to like help the world more. He wants to uh, deal with deforestation, things like that. He wants to go and like plant stuff in Borneo. Mm-hmm. So they're all like, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's all go do that. Except Wally, because you're meant to be dead in 24 hours, so you stay here. And Wally's like, no, don't be silly. And then, and then he's like, who's going to keep me here anyway? And then yeah. Linda walks around the corner and she's like, I'll keep you here. And he's yeah. like, damn it. Damn it. The one person, the one person who I can't say no to. <laughs> yeah, he can't. He, by law, he can't say no to yeah. her. That's just the way it is. And that was a good reveal. And obviously mm-hmm. Linda's inclusion actually is a bigger deal in a minute, but I, I thought <laughs> this, this was a natural yeah. kind of thing to do is like have Linda be the thing that anchors him back, you know, to the tower. Um, you know, and they're talking about that meteor they found as well at the, uh, the church of blood uh, last issue. But, mm-hmm. uh, so the characters go off, right and deal with this they end up fighting the uh with the construction crew is that what they're called uh demolition Demo- something like that demolition crew that's what it is demolition crew there um, it is and so they're dealing with them and just some fu- a couple of fun action pages nothing too fancy donna uses some super speed uh mm-hmm. and some stuff it's, it's all very fun but the big thing is that garth shows up at the tower and runs into linda and gets talking he says he's there he apologized to, to be spy for the things he said and she mentions that oh, Wally's around uh, arguing with Dick, but the rest of them are all away with Garth. And then he says, mm-hmm. oh, we're alone then. Good. Then you just get this awful, full-on horror Blah. movie page of a parasite coming out of Garth's mouth and going into Linda's mouth. It's just two big panels that share the page. Mm-hmm. It's horrific. It feels violating. She's had this forced into her mouth. It's horrible. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we said last issue, it felt like we were doing some body snatcher stuff with this. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, um, now Garth's got Linda infected and is working for the bad guy. So 
so so every panel after this page where like Wally comes in and Linda's just sitting there, you're like, oh no, she's in the background, yeah. just inconspicuous. Yeah, she's a <laughs> danger. She's a danger. And it, then like, hey, we'll hide you out as well. So they take Wally and Linda to their base on Mars, which I actually like this detail. So, mm-hmm. because the Hall of Justice and stuff always gets attacked for all the tech they store there, they realize that their trophy room where they hide all the tech and stuff they get from villains shouldn't be in a place that anyone knows. It shouldn't be in their base. It should be a separate location that's, you know, safe and unknown. So they've got a base on Mars for this shit. Mm-hmm. And they leave Wally and Linda there. And you know, the end of the issue, it's like, okay, well, we're perfectly safe now, right? Because it's just me and Linda. And then it's just a close-up of Linda. And they're like, uh, maybe not. <laughs> Linda, Linda's infected. She's going to yeah. body snatch you, Wally. But she may be uh, the one that kills you. Uh, that's what I was saying. Yeah. This is, yeah. Now they're alone. He's got the speed force, but they're on Mars. You know, they're a boom tube away. He's never been in more danger than he is right now. Yeah, yeah. So, the person yeah. he does not, he suspects the least to be a threat yep. is now a threat. Yeah. So this was great tension stuff. I was super into mm-hmm. this. Uh, you know, I was like, okay, I'm enjoying the Beast Boy stuff. I'm enjoying continuing the Gar stuff. But it was when they, they infected Linda and then like, no, now like she's the threat at the end. That was like, okay, yeah. okay. That was a great, great cliffhanger. I'm into the fun horror stuff of this. Good stuff. Uh, the, the scene we kind of didn't mention is the Amanda Waller scene where she's pissed that the Titans are up to stuff. And she's mm-hmm. like, nah, don't bother interfering. Let like, all the people who control Borneo, they'll hate them for this. So let, yeah. let them make some enemies. And that's just where she leaves it. Yeah, which I, I disagree with her reasoning there because what Gar said about we're always responding to things after they happen. But who's going to take, or, or as they happen, but who's going to take care of stuff after they happen? And it's a very clear moment from from Beast Boy. So this whole, you know, environmental welfare thing with him, it fits on. Because before I opened this, I got to thinking, you know, we know there's a betrayal in the Titans coming up, right? Mm-hmm. That, that we were hinted on. And I was like, well, what if it is Beast Boy? You know, we, we had all that stuff with him, you know, post uh, with, with Williamson. Uh, post, uh, what was the, the event we weren't big fans of? Dark Crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. His, his psyche's kind of shattered and whatnot, but just the fact here that he seems to be at odds with Waller, I don't think it's him now. But, you know, uh, looking at this cover right, with, with Waller on the cover, it made me think, maybe maybe it's him. Uh, but as the, the longer this issue went, the more I was like, mm, probably not um, because of, of how it plays out. So, although maybe, maybe he does because maybe he realizes that they're doing more harm than good at this point and it seems to be a lot of those things looking at the solicits um that were were seeded throughout um where, where did doctor what was his name the dr fate the evil one dr hate dr hate how do i yeah. forget dr hate where did dr hate come up was that in the pages that, that was the tease at the end of dark crisis i think for, okay. for the next or, thing yeah or night terrors right because it was it was more oh it was the end of night terrors so you're right you're right yeah you're right. okay yeah so with Night Terror, so looking at that and seeing like Dr. Hate seeming to be involved with the Beast World stuff, again, it doesn't make me not think Beast Boy is not heavily involved, but we'll, we'll see. But yeah, no, this was a pretty well, solid issue. The, 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 the event is called Beast World, so I suspect Beast Boy will be prominent. No, what I mean involved, I mean on the Waller side. Yeah. You know, but uh, uh, this issue, though, I, I like Nicole Scott a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Her drawing Wally's face, it, there's something that's off with it. I don't know if it, you know, it's it's the nose. It's because I'm so used to seeing her Wally 
in the flash mask. So to see, you know, clearly defined facial features and stuff. It just, for some reason, any, anytime I see her draw Wally, the face feels off versus all the other characters. But that's just, you know, that's a nitpick. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed this trick quite a bit. I, I think the cliffhanger is great. Um, I love the, the, the body snatchers plot that's going on. Because uh, it, it does make you go, oh no, when you realize he's going to infect her. It's this great grisly page. And then, you know, the ending being this, like, uh, you know, it literally says it doesn't get safer than this as Linda stares with daggers at her husband. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yep. you know, I, all that stuff's exciting. And even the idea of the base on Mars, I think it's kind of fun. So, mm -hmm. no, I, I think it's, uh, I love that this book is really giving time to all the Titans. And if anything, it's ignoring Nightwing the most because he's already writing a Nightwing book. You know, he needs the least attention. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I dig it. I dig it quite a bit. I'm uh, having a good time with Titans. So, what are you mm -hmm. rating Titans, Matt, out of 10? Um, I'm going to give this a 7.5. Okay, I'm try. Uh, no, I think this is a solid 8 for me. Uh, yeah. I really, really dig the uh, the Body Snatchers plot. I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time. And uh, the Beast Boy stuff's good too, so... Uh, yeah, but I, I enjoyed this more than Nightwing uh, this month, uh, I guess, is what oh. I'm saying. So, uh, very good. Jay Garrick, The Flash, Issue 1, Jeremy Adams writing with Diego Olartorgi on art. Olartorgi? Okay. Close, close enough. Yeah, some of that. Um, so, yeah, uh, obviously, Adams is no stranger to writing a Flash character, but this is uh, someone a little bit different. Uh, it mm -hmm. starts with a flashback to 1963, which I guess is when the Golden Age happened now. <laughs> it was the 60s. I mean, you have to take it with the age of her, right? She's supposed to be about 12. So her being born post-World War II makes a lot of sense, right? So she's born 49-ish, 50? Uh, that'd be 51. That's 12. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, 63. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not an approximate thing, Matt. It's a pretty straight True. Clear bit of no, math. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know, I know, maths. Numbers suck. We've been over this. I, no, um, I, I think this is just a case of we're sliding the timeline a little bit because... I, I don't like this because that means now the JSA is going to be heavily involved in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't need this. It's World War II robust. Yeah, but uh, which, I didn't realize US was in Vietnam as early as 63 until uh, I watched the Twilight mm -hmm. Zone uh, this yep. past week, and it was about a soldier coming back from Vietnam, and yeah. I'm like, wait, this episode's from 1963, was that already Yeah, happened? so it wasn't full, full, like, the, the pop culture that we know from, like, the war movies and stuff, Yeah, right, that's later 60s, uh, but yeah, they, they got early, they, they sent over, um, what was the word that was used? There was a certain phrase that they had used because they weren't officially declaring war, but they were sending soldiers over to like, mm. help train and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, part of the, the Kennedy assassination conspiracy theories involves Vietnam stuff, right? So you had to assume he got he got shot and killed in 63. So uh, yeah. Anyways, I don't like the fact that we're, we're putting our Gold Age characters so close now, right? Because... Well, yeah. I mean, you say that, but then we've got young Robin in uh, World's Finest having, like, smartphones and talking about TikTok trends. I know, I don't TikTok like that trends. either. That's so, about like, equal. It makes sense. If, 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 if Silver Age Robin has got smartphones, then it makes sense that the Golden Age characters are in the 60s and 70s now oh, instead of the God. 30s and 40s. <laughs> Ugh, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> You're an old man, Matt. Except I don't that. like it. I know. 
1963, and it's uh, Jay and the Boom, as we'll call Judy, mm -hmm. are rescuing a dam that's been lined up to explode. The villains kidnapped uh, Joan, uh, mm -hmm. Jay's wife. And so Jay's got this big thing where he tries to get all the bombs. It's a fun, it's a fun page with him darting around the dam. It's like, it's, it's like the Hoover Dam. It's this big, you know, yeah. flat dam. And you know, he gets in. He does a whole thing where he has to like one. He misses one stick of dynamite, so there is one hole that gets made, and he has to kind of fuse the concrete together and sort of plug it as best he can, just so it'll hold for a bit until he can come back mm -hmm. and make it more permanent. And he runs in, but when he comes in and he says, "Where's Judy?" Uh, or, or the wife says, where's Judy? He's like, Judy, who are you talking we about? Can't have, and this, we can't have kids. We've been over this. Yeah, yeah. so th this is the moment where she's been erased from time. And we see it, we see, actually come back to this later in the issue and see yep. the exact moment, but this is yep. the, the general moment where she disappeared. Cut to present day, and it's, you know, 75-year-old Joan uh, seeing Judy mm -hmm. again for the first time. And this is where we get Judy's narration talking about how she's... It's weird because all these things have changed. Everyone's so much older. The world's changed so much. And, you know, she she left in the early 60s. You know, because it does this great panel where you see, like, Bart's been using her old bedroom. So you see, like, a computer and, like, stuff all over the floor. Mm -hmm. And then you see her bedroom from the 60s, and it's, like, the same room, but it's, like, <laughs> empty. There's nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's just how it was. It was just there was less things to do, yeah. you know? Or not to do, but less things to, like, hold and collect. And, you yeah. know, plus Bart, his, his name is Impulse. I feel like he's a lot like me where he's just buying stuff to have it, you know? Sure, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's got a computer and he's got a tv with a video game console but it looks off uh -huh. it you know he's he's living yeah. life like a teenage boy like seriously yeah. um yeah so she's a bit overwhelmed with all this um you know things are so different uh and they give her some time and she hears on the news that there's a villain up to stuff outside so she speeds off he's like you know what everything else feels weird i don't feel like i'm home the way that i thought i would but i can still be the boom i can still go be a superhero so sure enough, she runs off, and I actually like this moment because Joan comes to give her some like cookies or something, and she mm -hmm. gets really scared that she's missing. And it, of course, she's scared. She disappeared yeah. once before and was gone for decades. They they basically right. well, they didn't even declare her dead. She literally got wiped from their memories. She didn't exist, right? This is and so this is like when when Wally came back, right? Now everyone has the memories, mm -hmm. right? So now she has to go through that feeling again that she's missing. But this is more yeah. like Dawn from the hit television show, Buffer the Vampire Slayer, and True. she never existed originally. This is actually a new right. creation that's been right. retconned right. into existence. So yep. uh, anyway, um, yeah, so she, she speeds off and she uh, stops a bunch of villains, but then Jay shows up to like sort of finish the, the bad guys off and is like, hey, we need to talk. Like You scared the shit out of your mum with disappearing like that. Uh, so they have a bit of a debate about it, and then this is when it flashes back to seeing, you know, the other side of what happened, which was Judy going in to fight the villain when her mum was kidnapped, and we see that the uh, the villain who's going on about the greater good, like one of the bad guys from Hot Fuzz, the greater good, um, he's <laughs> got all these nefarious plans, mm -hmm. and he seems to like be aware, like when so Judy disappears, like she's in like a Marvel movie, like getting snapped. Yep. And he's watching from the shadows and he seems to be aware that she's disappeared, you know? Mm. Um, and he's like, hey, this is my, my chance for a second chance, uh, no matter how long it takes. So it really sets up that this bad guy, uh, whose name I'm looking for in the, the book, because <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. Uh, it, oh, it's Dr. Something. Right? Elemental. Dr. Elemental. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so 
yeah, he seems like he's going to be the villain of the story. And what he's been doing for all these years uh, with Judy gone, if he's not been interacting with the you know the heroes, who knows? But mm-hmm. this is what the book ends on. It ends at the end of this flashback where it's the other side of Judy disappearing. Uh, so what did you think of this book? I've just kind of went through the whole plot. No, I, I liked it a lot. It, it's Adam's doing Flash, which it feels like a warm hug for me, right? Um, and just the whole idea of, of um, Joan and Jay having to come to terms with the fact that they didn't have a daughter, now they do have a daughter, now they're older, you know, but they know what it's like to raise a kid in, you know, their later life because of Bart, you know, so the, the tie's there. Um, and then just the idea of this Dr. Elemental and, like, who's he going to end up being to, to feels, the Flash family? Yeah, it feels very pulpy. Um, mm-hmm. And they notably kind of, like, obscure his face. And yep. Judy says, I've seen you before, before she disappears. So, yep. uh, yeah, I wonder who this turns out to be uh, yep. from the, the, the history of the Flash stuff. So, yep. We'll and see. so, yeah, but no, I love it. It's just all this stuff with, with you know, the Flash family again. It, it's one of those... It's one of those books that when when... The more characters there are to kind of lean on, I feel the better it comes off. So just this whole idea when they mentioned that, you know, Bart's off with Max on some other adventure, you know, so they have they have room now to deal with with Judy, you know, Uh, and they look at the picture of the Flash family and how big it's grown now. Right. Like, which is partly what makes her feel alienated is that, hey, when I was here before, it was just my parents and me. And now I look at this photo and there's Bart and Wally and Barry and Avery and, you know, Linda and everyone else is involved. She doesn't know about Barry and the fact that, you know, let's say that she did know um, Jesse Quick and Liberty Bell. Doesn't know that their daughter, that they had a daughter that became both Jesse Quick and Liberty Bell, you know? Like, there's all this whole big gap that she has to come up with. And I, I kind of like this, you know, character out of time. It is, it almost is an update of impulse, just inverted, right? Because yeah, she comes yeah. from the past, she's in the future, he's from the future, he comes, uh, you know, to the past. Which is easier to deal with from a narrative mm-hmm. point of view, because you don't have to have yeah. this character who knows, like, all these things, or they should know a bunch of things about right. the future. So, uh, it's a character who we, we know more than, and hopefully, you know, and I think so far she does seem quite likable, she... Mm-hmm. You know, all of her like worries and fears make enough sense, and kind of the awkward situation of these two old people now suddenly being parents to someone who they yeah. should have been parents to her at this age about thirty years ago. For, well, more than that even, because it's yeah, you know, sixty years I ago. Mean, if it's twenty twenty three in DC universe right now, then mm-hmm. yeah, it's ages ago. Which actually means that these two are actually too old. <laughs> like, they shouldn't yeah. be alive anymore. Like, mm-hmm. if you think about what age they had Judy at, even if they had her at like eighteen. That would mean let's let's say that the Jay was twenty two going into World War Two, which means he was born in the nineteen twenties. He's easily supposed to be a hundred years old. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, so well, I'm just um, thinking. Let's just say he had Judy at eighteen. She's twelve mm-hmm. in nineteen sixty three. That means that he's thirty in nineteen sixty three. Plus right. the sixty years means that he's at least ninety. So even even by my more right. generous count, right. he's ninety. <laughs> Yeah, so, but with, with the Flash, you can always just say, oh, Speed Force, whatever. It, yeah, what about Joan? It, it's, well, I remember reading a thing in one of the JSAs that because she was married to him, like, the aura... It oh, that's, that this was, is bullshit. Yeah. This is yeah, such, like, the headcanon bullshit. Uh-huh. No, no, it wasn't headcanon. It was in... One of the like I get that someone actually wrote it into a comic, but it's still this is it doesn't matter it was written. It's still headcanon bullshit. Even 
<laughs> Even in the early 2000s, we were looking at how old the, the Justice Society was, right? Like, yeah. you know, and that was 20 years ago. But they, they were all, so, like, frozen in time or something, right? That was, like, yeah. part of the con. I mean, which I guess maybe is the case here. But, again, like, is Joan frozen in time as well? I don't, no, you know. because she, she shouldn't have been because she wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. It's... Speed Force, bro. We don't have to explain. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy the character's around. Yeah. I just, if anything, mm-hmm. now that we're talking about it, I'm like, you know what? 1963 is actually too far back for this to make yep. sense. If you think about what age they must have been to have a 12-year-old kid in 1963, mm-hmm. if anything, this should have been probably 1983. Which is yeah. really scary. <laughs> Don't like that. Um, oh, Matt, but yeah, but just technically, the, the timeline based on everything I'm saying that when you were born, technically is now the golden age in DC Comics. I don't like it. I don't like it. So, That's pretty uh, on, But yeah, it's, it's one of those just things too. Like, uh, I feel like John's and his love of the Justice Society has kind of screwed up the timeline. But sure. there'll, there'll be ways to fix that. I'm not that worried just as long as the stories are there and you know flash i always equate flash stories with a lot of heart you know so as long as the heart's there and i trust adams to deliver on this you know um and also flash characters add themselves to like the rip hunter time police type thing too so this ends with judy going through time to make sure stuff like this doesn't happen and she becomes one of the time masters or the time hunters whatever they're called you know that that's a nice place where we can still that's a bold pr- that's a really bold prediction uh to, i'm just saying to if, similar if, ends, but yeah no i'm just saying if, if that were to go you know because you know what whatever then we don't have to worry about the timey-wimeyness of it because i'm thinking of all the other justice society kids that had come back this is the first one that we're really interacting with you know um to, to have to think about when they were i mean around. i suspect it's the only one we're really going to interact with mm-hmm. for the most part uh but it's a solid pick because we get to have jay focus for a change mm-hmm. and judy is yeah. kind of the central character which is fun because she's new mm-hmm. and we can explore things from a different perspective yeah so well and, and i like how unconventional her name is too because they're the flash and the boom you know so that kind of it also goes in with that era of heroes right where you got like the atomic bomb that was the flash and the boom, you know, and people would out here at least would go and watch atomic bombs getting detonated, you know, so mm-hmm. it, it kind of fits in with that hokiness of that yeah. time era. Uh, so. The art is, is solid. I think mm-hmm. um, the stuff early on with the dam and Jay running around all looks quite fun. Uh, the the various, you know, I, I think it does a decent job with the, the facial expressions and like selling the moments that are emotional. It's like, it's not as good as some of the greater examples of it, but I think it, it, it goes beyond just being like house style, I think, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it fits, it fits with what we've seen in the flash too, with all the different artists, mm. you know, it's very flowy. Um, it's, it's got a kind of a bounce to the art, almost like a cartoony quality in parts. Uh, which I think matches the the Flash very well. Yeah, well, so... I think because we're dealing with the Golden Age characters, kind mm-hmm. of, even though mm-hmm. we're not in the Golden Age anymore, is a bit of pulpiness doesn't hurt. And I think certainly Doctor Elemental feels very pulpy, so I'm yeah. curious to see how this develops next issue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe we'll see Judy meet some of the other speedsters next issue. That could be fun if we do that. Yeah. So, uh, what are you rating, Jay Garrick, The Flash, issue one? I mean, it was an 8.5. I really enjoyed it. If anything, I feel like the name should be Judy Garrick, the Flash issue one, or the Boom I, issue one. But I think it's because they're like, oh, no, that won't sell as well as Jay Garrick, the Flash. Flash yeah. <laughs> because she well, is the main I, character so far, let's be honest. If I can remember, this is the first time I remember a Jay Garrick uh, 
main main title, right? I don't think he's really had a solo book. Not that I can remember. Sometime, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I'll <laughs> give this a uh, an eight for me. I think it's just a, a solid eight. I uh, really enjoyed uh, learning about this new character, who we got a bit of as in the Star Girl mini, of course, but this was a bit mm-hmm. more focus. Uh, so I'm digging it. Uh, all right. So finally, Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong issue one. This is Brian Buccioletto writing with Christian Deuce on the R. And this was an oversized issue one, which I was not expecting uh, mm-hmm. when I started it. So this uh, isn't in like modern continuity. It's just, you could argue it's in the past or it's just in a slightly alternate you know, timeline or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it's actually set around Clark proposing to Lois, who knows he's Superman by this point, right? This is not like he's not told her that. Uh, they're having dinner on top of the Daily Planet because that's where they first met. And he's he's about to propose, and they're, they're they got some cutesy conversation back and forth. And she's like, ah, "I wasn't ready for Clark Kent or Superman," and he's talking about how he was in awe of her. It's all very sweet. And when he goes down on one knee, um, there's a rumble, and then there's a two-page spread of freaking Godzilla standing at the shore of Metropolis, right? And then the book flashes back to 12 hours ago, right? So we get a little tease because they, mm-hmm. they know that they're not getting to the monsters too quick. So like, we want to give them a little tease, a little tease of Godzilla, a big G. So <laughs> uh, it goes back 12 hours earlier and it builds up to that. Uh, and I had a good time with this. I had a lot of fun. I think like Buccioletto, I wasn't sure what to expect from because I wasn't a huge fan of the Manipul and Buccioletto flash run. I just mm-hmm. I wasn't that into it. Yeah. Uh, but here, there's a good chemistry between Barry and Hal. The the the, the duo of Green Lantern and uh, Flash are kind of a big part of this issue. Uh, they're talking about Superman, like really doing a lot of overtime recently, and it's because Superman's planning and taking Lois on a trip after he proposes, and he's never taken a vacation since he's become Superman. So they're talking about how this is the first time. So he's he's it's like he's 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 going to twice as many disasters. He's he's pushing himself to the limit to make it feel like it's justifiable that he can take time off. And there's a couple of nice little moments here where Barry's explaining, "Hey, we can't be we're everywhere. The point is is to do as much as you can, but without burning yourself out. That's the line for a superhero: is you do what you can, but not at the expense of being able to do it again tomorrow, kind of thing." Uh, and Kara shows up, Supergirl's there, and she mentions that, he's, that Clark's going to propose, and they're, uh, you know, um, so, and uh, she's there to sort of fill in in the Justice League while Clark's on vacation, and Hal, Hal gets all snooty, he's like, oh, because the Justice League can't do anything without a Kryptonian on the team, and Barry's like, jealous, and he's like, a little bit. So... The banner here is pretty good. It's it's good fun. And they do a good fake out here, actually, where they look over at the screen and they see Superman flying towards what looks like it could be King Kong for a split second. But then you realize that, because it's just a silhouette in the city, but then you turn the page and it's Titano. So earlier that day, he's fighting Titano and it's a whole big thing. Uh, Flash goes to help him, but Superman's already won the fight by the time he gets there and you know, they bond a little bit. They're saying congratulations, but, you know, Lois has not said yes yet, so it's the whole thing. Diana says, you know, congratulations and best of luck and all that. And that's when we introduce the Legion of Doom, who are in this book. Uh, we cut to them at their base, and they're they're watching the Superman Titano fight, and they're like, shit, we keep losing, damn it. And they start bickering about how they're going to eventually beat the Justice League. And the Black Manta's like, hey, 
We can do this. We've got the wits. We're smart enough. We're good enough. We just need a plan. And Lex is like, I've got a plan. Uh, I, I'm going to take him, take take the Justice League out. Just you wait. Uh, and his plan involves flying them to the Fortress of Solitude where they break in and they want to get a mother box and a Phantom Zone projector. And Lex's plan, because I thought his plan was going to be, oh, we're going to find some kaiju, right? <laughs> but his mm-hmm. plan was, we're going to trap them all in the Phantom Zone. So they're in there and one of my favorite things about this book is that one of the members of the Legion of Doom is Toy Man, and he is the loser. He is the doofus who can't help himself. He says stupid stuff. And even as they're explaining that there's alarms on everything in the fortress that will alert Superman if they take anything, so they have to be careful and do whatever Lex has got planned, Toy Man just picks up this red crystal <laughs> that's on a stand and sets off the alarm immediately. <laughs> What a dork. Which which uh, sets off Superman, who's actually talking to Bruce, who is like trying to talk him out of proposing for a minute because of the whole secret identity. Well, not the secret mm-hmm. identity thing, because she already knows who, who he is, but, uh, like, you know, this puts a target on her, you know, always been around her. And Clark's like, no, 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 this is for the best. Like, I love her, blah, blah. And Bruce is like, okay, that's good enough for me. All right. <laughs> Out you go. I, like, I approve. So, uh, Superman gets the call, but Kara calls him and says, don't go. We have got this. This is your date night. Go and propose. Like, Supergirl, Flash, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and Hot Girl will take care of it. So they go to the fortress. They have a fight with the Legion of Doom. Uh, it's just a couple of pages of action. Nothing too big. But it ends with them accidentally hitting the mother box, and it sends the Legion of Doom somewhere. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Clark's on his date with Lois, and we get the start of the date, and it's all fine. The Legion of Doom are in a jungle, and they're like, where the hell did we go? We don't even know if we're on the same <laughs> Earth, right? And they're like, what's going on here? And I think it's uh, Black Manta who's like got his scanner. He's like, there's life forms everywhere. Like, something, something weird's happening. And out, out pops, I don't even know what you call them. It's the, the monsters with the tails from King Kong. Uh, the skull crawlers. Yeah. One of them mm-hmm. pops out, and then King Kong jumps out and, you know, beats the shit out of this. And they're all looking at him. And one of the things I said last week when I was, like, uh, anticipating this week, as I said, because did, I didn't know the Legion of Doom were going to be in this book, but I said I had to see Grodd react to King Kong. Yes. And not only do we get that, he's the first person who does react. Like, King Kong jumps out, he's fighting the Skullcrawler, and it, there's a panel of Grodd just look with the eyes wide open in the art going, an ape? God? Like he's, like he's 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 completely floored. That's fantastic. The rest of them all run into this like research center, uh, which has got like tabs on all the kaiju, and they even see Godzilla on the screen. But Grodd stays outside and tries to communicate telepathically with King Kong, and they're all just sort of like uh, talking about how he's going to get himself killed or whatever. But Toy Man's looking at all the screens and he's like. Oh, all these monsters look great. Look at all these wonderful toys. This could be our chance to uh, to, to fight the Justice League here. And it just cuts to a panel of Lex Luthor going, allowing you into the Legion was my greatest mistake. <laughs> I love how much they hate Toy Man. I, I, I love that he's fantastic. the asshole. But, so he's holding this red crystal and he says, I wish, and then it lights up. So this crystal, I, I don't know what this is from continuity. I'm sure it's something. But basically, it grants the wish that he has. So you don't get to hear it, but you just see, like, King Kong with a question mark above his face. 
And then it cuts back to Lois and Clark on the, the top of the building where we started the book. Superman flies off the Daily Planet building as Lois says, I love you. And the final page, which is the page of the issue, is Superman, we're looking, we're behind Superman as he's flying towards Godzilla, who is like just taking up the entire page. It's beautiful. And this, the sun's starting to set in the background. It's, it's gorgeous. Like the art in here is, is good. It's not amazing, but I would say that the big action moments look fantastic. Like, you know, Godzilla looks great. So th- this last page could be something you hang on the wall because it's just this wow. anticipation of Superman flying towards Godzilla. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I have to admit, I'm kind of excited for Superman. And they set it up because they had him just kick the shit out of Titano like it was nothing. Right. I'm actually kind of looking forward to Superman thinking he can handle this. And then Godzilla just being a little too much for him. You know, like, yeah. Godzilla's just too big. He's too powerful. Especially, like, you know what's going to happen. He's going to hit him with the heat vision. And then Godzilla's going to be like, oh, really? Uh-huh. And then he's going to hit him with the atomic breath. The atomic breath. And that's going to be glorious. So you can predict some of the moments, but they're too good mm-hmm. not to do. Right? They're too good not to do. Uh, so I, I actually really like the, the fact that it didn't rush into it. it. You know, it gave you a little tease at the start, but it was mostly about the Legion of Doom building up to how they inadvertently end up bringing the kaiju in for another earth right. um, and there's like a rush of excitement as you realize oh shit they're on skull island <laughs> like uh-huh. that's that's what we're doing right now so good fun i had a good time i am absolutely in for issue two i suspect matt will catch up because i feel like yeah. he's not going to be able to resist I will, us i will catch up the, the idea of grod and king kong alone that moment i have to read yep so so and the toy man stuff is hilarious so i like brian Buchalato. in fact i have a but original uh, sketch by Buccellato, uh up right here right, every time I uh, record. So getting to hear his name again and that it's mostly positive. It's been a while, I'm, yeah. I'm excited, you know. But yeah, so, it's good, good stuff. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm going to give that a nice, good, fun uh, eight out of ten. Like you know, I, I can't okay. praise it and say it's like high art necessarily, but I think no. for 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 you read the title, Justice League versus Godzilla versus King Kong. I think if you you're know ex- what you're in for. Yeah, if you're excited by that title, I think this book is is what what it should be. And unless you're someone who expected to have all the action in issue one, and I'm glad it's not. I'm glad it's building yeah. up properly. Then I think it, uh, it's, it's it's good stuff. I you know eight out of ten for me. So there we go. Uh, and that takes out the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week: favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover. Uh, favorite uh, artist and top five books. So we're going to get mm-hmm. into it. What's your panel slash moment of the week, Matt? Um, so I, I do like there's some in Flash that I like. You know, the realization that Judy, uh, her room became Bart's room and that mm-hmm. type of stuff. That, that's real nice. Um, Superman had a couple fun ones, right? Um, like him, him figuring out how to use the chained uh, prison. To, to come out that was that was really cool but uh mine's gonna be from nightwing when he actually freezes because i want to know what's going on with that more sure right because yeah. it's just him on the ledge and he can't jump which is we know that's like who nightwing is right he jumps before he thinks about it and he just can't so that that's the moment that sticks out for me the most this week yeah uh for me i was very tempted by the moment in war journal where they're leaving the city because mm-hmm. that page is just so gorgeous Mm-hmm. And it really gives that sense of awe of, like, Metropolis, which is something you don't always get. Mm-hmm. That said, though, it has to be Titans. It has to be We're Alone. Good. 
full page parasite get into her mouth mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty good. That's just, that's just a great moment. Uh, it caught me by surprise, and I really enjoyed it. So uh, that is that. Uh, cover of the week. Uh, you got any picks ready, Matt? Um, so, no, there's a Manipole, funnily enough, with, you know, names get brought up. There's a Manipole, uh, Manipole Flash one that's half Jay, half Judy that looks really, really cool. Um, I like that. Uh, but Dan Mora this week, really going above and beyond. Um, his that- world's finest cover. Yeah, he's also got a Nightwing cover I'm just looking at uh-huh. now, which is uh, got a the... bunch of different versions of Dick Grayson in the background. Uh-huh. Uh, going through, like, he's doing the jump, but each each one's a different version, right? Robin yeah. to... Right. Uh, but he also has a Godzilla, or just like Godzilla Kong cover in there that looks really cool. Um, so I want to shout him out, but mine's not even going to be one of those. Uh, World's Finest has a Nakayama cover that has Lois and Catwoman on it, and looks like they're meeting at the top of the Daily Planet, and has nothing to do with anything else. I just like the way that it looks. So uh, that, that's going to be mine. Sure, sure. Uh, there's also a Jamal Campbell Nightwing variant, which I think is worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of good covers this week, honestly, across the board. I think, mm-hmm. though, I'm going to go to one that I used to pick a lot for Batman covers uh, with Godzilla Kong Justice League, and that mm-hmm. is um, Matina. Uh who's got a cover where it's just very colorful. We see all the different lights of all the various Justice League members around the edge. And then in the middle is just Godzilla with his mouth lighting up for the atomic breath. Uh, it's just really pretty. And just, it's just a chaotic sense of like color and energy. So mm-hmm. good stuff. Uh, I'm not surprised that there's some good covers of that. There's also, there's a nice pair of uh, Christian Dust ones where it's like, yeah. it's just, like, just Godzilla on black and then a King Kong one where he's on black. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah which look kind of pulpy. So. My only problem with Kong is he looks more like Bigfoot, you know, <laughs> than, than King Kong. That's, but, that's you fair. Know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you also can't make him black on black, right? So. For sure, yeah, yeah. Um, you got to do a different color. Yeah. Uh, you could have done a white background, I suppose, but you wanted to mm-hmm. match with the other cover, so. Right, right. It's a whole thing. So, yeah, very good. All right, uh, Art of the Week, Matt. What you got? Um, more is really strong in World's Finest. Um, Nightwing uh, by, by Byrne. Also, also very solid, but um, come on, it's Montos for Green Lantern War Journal. Yeah, Montos takes it for me as well. Um, Mora's great, obviously. Scott's great. Burns great. There's a lot. There's a lot of good art this week, but uh, fundamentally, I think that was just the one that spoke to me the most out of the, mm-hmm. out of the bunch. So, all right, top five books, Matt. Go. All right, so number one is going to be Green Lantern War Journal. Um, two is going to be. I'm trying to remember what I gave my ratings this week. I'll say two is going to be Flash, three Nightwing, four Worlds, no, four Superman, and uh, five Worlds Finest. That seems about right. Yeah. Well, okay. no, yeah, we'll go that. All right. Uh, number one for me is Green Lantern War Journal 2. Number two is Titans issue four. Number three. It's Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. Wow. Number four is... Eh, we'll go Jay Garrick, Flash number one. And then number five, I'll say... Uh, I'll probably say World's Finest sneaks in there. Just just, just over Nightwing. Um, I'd, lo- I'd love to give more love to Superman, but it just, it just it tipped away in the back half for me a bit too much. So, uh, still, I still liked a lot of it, though. So, I had a good week 
pretty mm-hmm. much for books. Uh, just Catwoman, which I obviously wasn't expecting to love, uh, was the, the weaker thing. So as we said earlier, we'll do City Boy issue 5 in two weeks uh, on mm-hmm. week one of, of uh, November. So uh, look oh, for that then. Uh, and even remind us on Twitter like that week if you want, <laughs> just in case we forget. Because <laughs> it's possible. It's very possible. I don't deny it. So... Yeah, I'll tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. So, and it's a pretty big week, actually. We have Detective Comics 1075. We have Action Comics 1058. Green Arrow, issue 5. So, we'll see how that is. Uh, Wonder Woman, issue 2, which I'm very looking forward to. We have The Flash, issue 2. We have Harley Quinn, 33. Batman, Brave and the Bold, issue 6. Doom Patrol, or sorry, Unstoppable Doom Patrol issue 7, which is the final issue of that. Mm-hmm. We have Batman, Catwoman, The Gotham War, Red Hood issue 2. Tales of the Titans issue 4. The Penguin issue 3. Green Lantern, or sorry, Alan Scott, Green Lantern issue 1. We have Power Girl issue 2. Batman Beyond, Neo-Gothic issue 4. Steelworks issue 5. And Amazon's Attack issue 1. So... Healthy set of books. We got a few new number ones between the Green Lantern book, the Amazon's Attack book. Um, so that's exciting. Plus, Wonder Woman issue one was so damn good that I am really pumped for that. So yeah. So and just so you know, too, it says that Tales of Titans Beast Boy it kind of sets the stage for Beast World. So I'll probably be reading that one. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, it would be my tenth book, I think, if I read that. Yeah. But if I feel up to it, I might try and squeeze it in as well. But, but yeah, it just says. But that, that could just be them trying to sell more. True. But true. it just says it acts as a lead-in to to Beast World. Um, but but yeah. So who who knows? But we don't have Brave and the Bold Bold to go because there's no. Yeah, the Tom King books. The story's not in there. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll double check just to be sure during the week, but I don't yeah. think it is. I'll definitely be starting with Flash this week because it might take me two days to read if it's as wordy <laughs> as the last one. So, it's usually good... I start with Detective. That's what I look forward to. Ramby, but you know, Flash. After what happened last time, we will see. So it's a good idea. I don't think it's a bad idea, certainly. No. Uh, so there you go. That's what's coming next week, and that will pretty much wrap up the show. This has been episode three seven eight of Comics in the Multiverse, and of course, you know, share the show around, like the show on YouTube. It helps out a lot. People will find it better if you do. Uh, five stars on iTunes, all that stuff. But of course, you can support us the most by going over to patreon.com dot mailfuzz tv and supporting there for a few dollars every month. Uh, maybe get early access at a certain tier. Or, you know, uh, bonuses for all the other shows we do, which I don't promote enough of them this show, I don't think. But there's a whole set of movie podcasts uh, that I do uh, as part of Mail and Fuzz movies, uh, both on YouTube and as you know, released individually in audio feeds. It's October, so Screams After Midnight, the horror movie podcast, has got a bunch of extra episodes. Mm-hmm. And we've been bouncing around some good stuff, some bad stuff, and some very, very, very bad stuff. So, uh, if that's... <laughs> Off, off mic up to let me know what the very, very, very bad stuff is so I know to stay away. Or, apparently, <laughs> to know what Tim thought, so I might check it out to see if he's crazy. Well, the worst was the last Twilight movie, but you know to stay away from that. <laughs> yeah, you don't, need to, you don't need to tell me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, go, go check out Screams After Midnight. Uh, that's my main recommendation. If you want more of me and Connor, uh, we have been reviewing Smallville. Um, we're po- well, we're actually reposting old season one reviews that we did years ago, but we've stuck. We've been recording new season two ones, uh, and they've been up really early on Patreon. So there's like half a season two is now on Patreon if you want to check that out on Patreon. But those those will eventually come out publicly as well. Uh, those release every Monday. But right now we're still working through the old ones that were already done in 2018. Uh, so because it wasn't 
because they were part of our longer podcast the the, the runtime on those season one reviews are like varying like some of them are short like 13 minutes and some are like 40 minutes uh all the new ones are all like 30 to 40 minutes because we're like that that's us getting together and connor getting drunk because he's miserable about smallville so. uh i was gonna say um how many of those early ones were attached to an arrow where he had to take a drink every time a certain phrase was said <laughs> he's, uh, he's kept some of those drinking rules for smallville although oh, no. one of the rules that's been added in specifically for smallville is anytime they do a really cute wink wink reference to the fact that he's going to be superman for example in one episode where lana goes yeah i forgot clark kent's a man of steel that's a drink <laughs> or when lex looks at him and says you know, uh, or Clark said, because uh, Martha's taking a job with Lionel and she's going to be in helicopters a lot. And Lionel's like, hey, is your family used to flying? And he's like, nah, not really. Well, that Clark, that's about to change. And I'm like, yeah, okay, there you go. Wink, wink. <sighs> they do it, so, like, there's usually at least one per episode where they have a really in-your-face, like, he's going to be Superman, like, moment. It used to be my favorite show. Because you're uh, a fool. Yeah. Also, TV was different a little bit, so, you know, I took what I could when it came to Superman. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, go check that out. Anyway, there you go. We'll see you next week for another episode of the hugely popular Comics from the Multiverse. Is it? I don't know. Maybe slightly. Yeah. Why not? Some of you like it. Anyway, we'll see you next time. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.